Good afternoon, listeners. My name is Phil C, and this is Aussie, Aussie, Aussie Flashbacks. I do it live every single Sunday. I start at 4pm. Tonight, I'll probably be finishing around about 7 o'clock. I've got a really fantastic interview uh, which I did with Frankie J. Holden from the old 55 days. Sky Daddy was another band that he'd set up. We're going to be talking about those bands, playing some of their music. We were talking about the Silver Studs. I wonder if anybody can remember the Silver Studs. Goodness gracious me. I remember them, and I'm going to play a few tracks from them. And... Um, then we're going to have the interview. Now, the interview went for quite a while because uh, Frankie, like myself, loves a good chat, okay? So what we've done here is um, because it's not live to air, we couldn't we couldn't make it live, live, live. We did, a, we did a pre-record and we've cut it up into four sections. So we're going to be talking about his music, his acting, television career. Uh, you know, he won the Silver Logie last year. Um and also the fact that he owns a fantastic caravan park in Tarthra, okay, Beachside Caravan Park, it's called. We're talking about all of that. We're playing lots of music in between. And, of course, if you want requests, you know what to do. I don't have to tell you by now. One three double oh four nine four nine double eight is the old school way, and you get to chat to me. Or you can text message me on zero four nine two nine nine four four four. Okay, now I'm going to start the gig. I've already got a few requests, and that's what you've got to do if you want to hear anything this evening. But remember, listeners, it's got to be Aussie. Now, my first request is going out to Maureen. Maureen is in Druin, Victoria, and her and her husband are literally biting at the bit because uh, we met them in Tasmania, and they want to travel. And, you know, the poor Victorians are getting hammered with the COVID, and they can't leave their own state, and so on and so forth. But... um, you know what? They're doing the next best thing. They're travelling. They're sitting back, kicking back, and they're listening to the best Aussie radio program on the planet with yours truly. So I'm going to start off with uh, Maureen's request. It's a number called The Star, and of course it was made famous by The Star, Rosty Wiley. I'm the loneliest guy in the world People say he's a star And he's sure to go far Ain't he pretty? Look at me now Do they know for the love of that girl I would give all I No 
time together Now you're gone still they say stage is bare Knowing you're not there I'd give it all away Just to hear you say I love you Here comes the star He's the Ah, oh, there you go, listeners. First track for the afternoon, The Star by Ross D. Wiley. And, of course, that was written by Johnny Young. And if you listen to my uh, podcast going back a couple of weeks when I was chatting to Russell Morris, he would have made mention there that uh, Johnny Young wrote a lot of those songs. This, uh, Smiley, he wrote that one as well, Johnny Young, for Ronnie Burns, The Star. And he also did, uh, you know, that great anthem <laughs> You know, the one that Russell did way back when. When you talk about Russell Morris and they go, oh, yeah, that's that guy who did the real thing. <laughs> yeah, right, and a million other hits. It's on my podcast. If you want to hear past shows, past interviews, go to aussieflashbacks.com.au and there you will find all the information. Follow me on Facebook, okay? I made I made a lot of really nice friends uh, last, uh, last fortnight. I, I was away. I was actually on the road doing a bit of travelling and... Um, Thanks to my technical genius friend and colleague, JS, he's uh, set me up with mobile equipment that I can record a show or do a show live virtually anywhere in Australia. So whilst I was away, and I've been everywhere, I've got to tell you, I've been everywhere. Been to Tarthra, been to Scott's Head, and um, did a live show from Scott's Head. Yes, I did, and met so many lovely people who are now following me on Facebook and becoming regular listeners to the show. So that's another way you can uh, you can find out about Aussie Flashbacks, or you can check it out on Spotify as well. Okay. Now, as I said, I've just started. I'm going to be here till seven o'clock at least. This Frankie J uh, conversation that we had conversation hex went for fifty five minutes, and I've got a lot of great tracks to insert into it. Uh, but we are going to do it over the course of the show. So we've got lots of room, lots of time for requests, but they got to be Aussie, all right? 1-300-494-988 or 0492-994-445. Going to play another one. This was written, as I said earlier, by Johnny Young. It's Ronnie Burns, Smiley.
What a great goldie, oldie, goldie, oldie, golden oldie. That's a better way of putting it, isn't it? What a great golden oldie. Smiley by Ronnie Burns. Look, I love doing the Aussie Flashbacks program, and thank you to all my listeners. You know, I had a lot of people tuned in last week from Scott's Head, and I made a lot of new friends uh, whilst I was on the road. And a lot of new people following the Facebook page, which is great. They all sent in their requests, and I'm getting requests coming in now. And also, I can't forget to mention my great, great friends from Party Central at Woi Woi. Now, last week they had a couple of birthdays, and um, it's glad to hear that they're, they're messaging me now for their song. So they obviously survived. <laughs> These guys party hard and celebrating a 21st Um and also another birthday for Julie. I thought, oh, these guys are going to, they're not going to surface for a month. But no, I, I can imagine such a great day down there. They're probably, they're probably back into it already, partying hard as only Party Central people know what to do and sending in all their fantastic Aussie requests. Now, I've got to play one for one of the Party Central people, Mark, who was the father of the uh, 21st-year-old lady who had her birthday last weekend. He wants to hear a song called Dumb Things by Paul Kelly.
Oh, what do you think of that? What do you think of that? That's going out to Mark. Dumb Things by Paul Kelly, okay? And have you ever done dumb things? Oh, I think we've all done some dumb things in our time, haven't we? We all have, we all have. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Aussie, Aussie, Aussie only rock and roll. Just like this one. It's Rabbit. Too much rock and roll. You're listening to Phil C. I do it every Sunday from four o'clock. And this is Aussie, Aussie, Aussie Flashbacks. Oh, there you go, listeners, too much rock and roll. And that, of course, is Rabbit. And as I said last week, or it could have been the week before, Rabbit and Finch. Now, they had an incredible guitar player in that called, uh, called, no, named David Hines. And he's a good mate of mine. And uh, if you want to hear any incredible blues rock, okay, these guys play in the pubs. And uh, they used to live in Port Macquarie. They've now moved down to uh, Lake Macquarie, I believe, somewhere in that area. 
and uh, they have this power trio, David Hines on guitar, his lovely wife Lynn Hines on bass guitar and vocals, and whichever drummer, they've got a, they've got a couple of different drummers depending upon where they're going to play. Normally they use Mick O'Shea, who's one of the greatest drummers in Australia, he's played with everybody, and if you want to check out their music, you know, they're on... Um, they're on Spotify. I'm sure they're on Spotify. Um, and I, and hopefully, once this thing of COVID leaves us alone, uh, these guys are going to be gigging again. And a fantastic band, okay? And David goes back a long way. He's an incredibly talented guitarist and uh, very underrated, you know. Like, people just don't give these guys the recognition they deserve. Di Pritchard, he's another brilliant guitar player who's played with everybody, and the same for Dave. All right, I'm going to do another request. I've got a couple of requests, actually. This one's going out to Maureen. Now, Maureen is uh, in Druin, Victoria. She's tuned in and listening to me. She just sent me another number. She said, please, can you play Dear Prudence? But I don't want to hear the Beatles because I know it's Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. So I've given you this version Doug Parkinson. And straight after this, I've got some Metal Lake for Megan. Like a little child 
What a great track. What a great song. What a great singer. And still singing, you know. Doug Parkinson, what a talent. I actually emailed Dougie the other day. I'm going to try and get him on the program, okay? I was talking to my mate KB, and he gave me a few uh, a few addresses of a few people that I'm going to try and get on the show in the next coming weeks, okay? Now, Dougie was one of the ones I emailed, and uh, fingers crossed, because apparently, I didn't realise, apparently he's a bit of a shy boy, and he doesn't really like doing all... You wouldn't think a singer on stage would be shy about doing interviews and stuff, but, yeah, he likes to just, uh, you know lay back and not not be too much in the limelight uh, that's what i've heard anyway but i'm gonna do my best i'm gonna do my best as i said i did email him the other day all righty now i'm gonna play a song now this this is going out to some lovely people i met uh, at scott's head about a week or so back maybe 10 days um and i've got to say Stephen, it's, it's megan and Stephen. Stephen, my man, what a musical knowledge. My goodness, we were sitting around chatting about music and once he, once he thought, uh, once he heard that I, that I love Aussie music, well, there was no stopping us. This guy, he's a bit of a guru with his Aussie music and I'm not talking, you know, all this poppy stuff. He really likes different stuff, you know, and blues stuff and, and harder stuff. So he asked me for a couple of tracks last week by Matt Lake and Carson, which I was happy to play. And um, I just received a message from Megan. She said, can you play some more Metal Lake? Because I don't really think Megan's familiar with the band all that much. Now, what I wanted to say in relation to Metal Lake, because they came out in the 70s, all right, and they had a couple of albums in the 70s, but I did a bit of searching. I thought, wonder what these guys are up to. Now, they've got a brand new album, which was released this year, called The Blue Room, and they also did a live album last year, live at uh, St Andrews Hotel. So I'm going to – I love this song in particular. I played it last week, but I'm going to give you a live version of this song, What These Guys Sounding Like Now. I hope you like it, okay? This is Madelake Live from the St Andrews Hotel last year. We're behind the sun Said I'm going back, mama Back to where I come from I'm gonna find a new world Just like the old one Big hand here for John. 
What do you think? That's Metal Lake. Goodbye, Lollipop. Now, that was originally recorded back in 1973 from their uh, Still Point album. Okay, now, um, I, I was uh, listening to their music back in the 70s, and they also had uh, well, they had another album out as well. Um, and I didn't realise. I thought they only had like a couple of albums. Now, they they had the uh, the best of Metal Lake. That came out in 1978. Um uh, and then they had another another one that came out in 2013, which that was the best of again. Different different songs on those. Uh, 2013, they they brought a brand new album out called World. And 2019, the one I just played the track from, live at uh, St Andrews Hotel. And then this year, an album called The Blue Room. So if you're into Metal Lake and you think, well, they only had those two albums back in the 70s, i got news for you. These guys are still rocking, okay, <laughs> and still sounding as good as, uh, as the day they, they stepped up onto the stage for the, for the very, very first time. So uh, there you go. And that one's going out, as I said, to um, Megan. 
and I met her and her, and her husband last week, or week before, at uh, at Scott's Head. And Stephen, if you're listening, my friend, you got a great music knowledge, and it was a pleasure meeting you and talking to you. And I'm sure our uh, our paths will cross again very very soon. All right, now I've got to send a track out to Amanda. Amanda's one of the Party Central people. I got a message from them too. They said they had four days of partying. <laughs> that was to do with the 21st and that was to do with uh, Julie's birthday. Four days of partying. I mean, they party every day, but obviously when they're celebrating something, they party hard. And, um, yeah, they just messaged me and they said, look, we're back for you, Phil C., and the Aussie, Aussie, Aussie flashbacks. Thanks a lot, you guys. It's it's a pleasure to always get messages from you. And uh, I, I look, I, it's always good. It's always good. And I love and I love listening to, to all your exploits, all your parties, and so on and so forth. Now this one's going out to Amanda. As I said, she wants to hear a number called "Onion Skin" by uh, Boom Crash Opera. Now I'm going to send this one out to her right now. And this is. What she's oh, asked me for, okay? Gosh. Oh, hey, there it is. Be 
there you go, Amanda. Oil Skin by the Boom Crash Opera. Alrighty, I've got to send another song out, another request. This one's going to Rod. Now, Rod's in Druin. He's the other half. I'll say the other half. Of Maureen, and they're uh, they're hanging to get on the road, okay? And I know if they were on the road and Rod was driving along and Maureen was walking down the street, this is what he'd be saying. Hey, baby, jump in my car. There you go. Get out of my car. Well, he obviously didn't say that to his lovely wife, Maureen, because a couple of weeks back they were 46 years married. And I know they're tuned in (laughs) and uh, I know they're great fans of this program. So there you go. A little request going out to Rod. Now, I'm going to play a Russell Morris track right now, okay? Now, Russell was on my show a couple of weeks ago. And if you go to uh, aussieflashbacks.com.au there, you will find an interview. It ran for about 15, 20 minutes. And we were talking about everything from the real thing to his latest album, which, of course, is called um, Black and Blue Heart. This came out in 2019. And um, 
we had a few uh, requests for some of his later stuff. Um, I might just play you one. I was going to play something from Black and Blue Heart, but I haven't played Red Dirt, Red Heart for a little bit. So I'm going to play you a track from that. This is a number called Cut You Loose. Surprise when you stabbed him in the back. You turned him in just to bring him down. A joker in the back. Jack the nimble, Jack the quick, the lowly Judas priest. Thirty pieces of silver bit made that deal complete. Uh, there you go, listeners. Russell Morris cut you loose from his Red Dirt, Red Heart album. Now, if you want to hear the interview and talking all about those albums and all his early, early stuff, go to my uh, website, aussieflashbacks.com.au, and there you will find it under interviews. All right, sending another track out. This is going way back. This is JOK going to Maureen. She want to hear a bit of screaming. It's called Shout. Come 
Oh, there you go. Shout J-O-K, the king of rock and roll. And uh, he was the guy responsible for Jade Hurley getting his name Jade. Yeah. If you listen to my interview with Jade a couple of weeks ago, you, you would have got the backstory from that as well. Also, the fact that when Jade went for his first uh, audition for a band, he wore bright green jade-coloured gloves um, to kind of disguise the fact that he wasn't a real great piano player. He had the fingers cut out of them, of course. And they liked the novelty of it. Anyway, it took him about two weeks to realise he wasn't really that great a piano player back then. <laughs> he got the sack anyway. Oh, a little bit of backstory there for you about Jade Hurley. I'm going to play this track for my mate Chris. Now, Chris, is he's laying low. He's party central people, okay? And Chris is probably under the affluence of Inca Holt. I know he loves this song. It's going to put a smile on his face. It's Dave Tice and Buffalo. It's his most favourite track. It's called Little Queenie. You've just joined us. My name is Phil C and this is Aussie, Aussie, Aussie Flashbacks. Do it live every Sunday from 4pm.
Oh, there you go, folks. That's Dave Tice and Buffalo Little Queenie going out to uh, Chris there at Party Central in Woi Woi. Look, I'm going to play one more track. Uh, hang on. I might play two more tracks because I've just had a request come in. And, um, and then what I'm going to do is I'm going to play the first part of this interview, okay? Now, the interview <laughs> in its entirety ran for almost an hour. Can you believe that? Almost an hour. And... Um, Obviously, we've broken it up in, into different sections, all sorts of different parts. So um, we're talking about the uh, the days of um, of uh, old fifty five, and also when he sort of uh, left old fifty five, and he went to um, oh, actually, he didn't went to. He formed a band. He formed a band called the Sky Daddies, old Sky Daddies, to be exact. And um, that was members of Skyhooks and Daddy Cool. And we got a few songs from them we're going to play. And uh, he talks about his acting career and his television career and also about this fantastic caravan park that he's got down on the wonderful Tarthra uh, Sapphire Coast. And I'm going to get that up. I'm going to get that up straight after this request, which has come in. It's come in for Kalisha. So while I've been yakking, I've been getting the track ready, okay? She wanted to hear a song by Baby Animals, and it's called Rush You... Going out to Kalisha. Straight after that, Frankie J.
Ah, oh, there you go. Baby animals going out to Kalisha. Want to hear that track called Rush You. Big shout out to Ryan on the tweet. Okay, just got a message. He's actually uh, one of a brand new listeners for me. He was at the Party Central last week celebrating Kalisha's birthday and he was from the tweet and he's just messaged me and he's tuned in. Thank you so much, my friend. If you want to hear anything special, you know what to do. I'm just going to play this uh, first part of this interview now. This is Frankie J. And I am going to play it throughout the course of the program. We are going to be here till after seven this evening because I also called up with some people in Tathra. Um, and the interview aired today and it was quite heavily, um, uh, what's the word, edited. It was quite heavily edited and I wasn't happy with the way they did that. So I'm going to play the entire interview in its entirety after seven o'clock this evening. Okay, so if you want to learn a little bit about Tathra, then uh, you make sure you tune into that one. But before any of that happens, I want to introduce you to this guy. Uh, well, today, listeners, as promised, I've got a very special guest on the phone, Mr. Frankie J. Holden. How are you there, Frankie? I couldn't be better, Phil. I'm just sitting – actually, I'm sitting by my pool on uh, at my house at Tambula Beach, Yep. which is where I live. It's on the Sapphire Coast. The sun is shining. I'm, well, I'm bare-chested if – if, if, if you want to know, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, matey, I'm, I'm wearing a flannelette shirt and a pair of shorts. So I don't feel it too uh, much. I don't feel it too much down below. My legs are fine. <laughs> um, no, mate, you could have made a bit of an effort, really. <laughs> Look, I, I'm, I, I got a flannel on because it's a bit cool. We've got a lot of wind up here at the moment. It's just about blown us all off the planet. We've had this Arctic wind. Um, and as I said, I, I, my legs are pretty cool. They can handle it, but I don't like to get too cold on the chest. And I'm an old fella like me. I'm, I'm six, pushing 62 now, so I don't want to get sick, you know what I mean? Well, but, yeah, I think I think I remember being 62. Yeah, you it was do. A few years ago, yeah, it was a couple of years ago, mate. But i got to tell you, you're a lot fitter looking and a lot more handsome than me, so I think you could ward it off for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, matey, first of all, before we start talking about your music and your TV and this great caravan park you own, I want to thank you very much for being a guest on the program. I play your music every single week. In fact, I, I do. I close my radio program every single week with Goodnight Sweetheart, which was from the Taking a Greasy album. Yeah. And I've been doing that for about 20 years when I used to gig around the, the traps myself in a duo and I used to have a big successful karaoke business. And every time I finished the shows, I would end my program. This is truth. I would end my sign-off signature song, Goodnight, Sweethearts. And I've been following your music since Take It Greasy days. And I absolutely well, love your stuff, mate. Seriously. Thank you very much. It's very nice of you to say. Yeah. And uh, we always used to finish with Goodnight, Sweetheart. It's an obvious... It's an obvious one to finish. Absolutely. And uh, it's still very, very popular, you know, with audiences. So I'm still working with Wilbur Wilde and I still do gigs. Right. Um, The last time I worked with Old 55 was about, I was only a couple of years ago. Okay. uh, And it was the 40th anniversary of the release of Take It Crazy. It was, um, well, actually, it was 2016. Right. So it's four years ago now. Okay. Yep. And uh, so that was the 40th anniversary of the release of Take It Greasy. And we did a series of gigs, uh, including we did Carols by Candlelight on the uh, Channel 9 network out of Melbourne. And we did uh, we did Crown Casino and we did the casino at Jupiter's at, uh, on the Gold Coast there. Right. And we did a couple of gigs in Sydney. And uh, they went very well. And uh, it was a, you know, again, we played all those old songs. But as I said, Wilbur and I have been 
maintained our, our, our rock and roll presence in various guises over the years. So that means I've been working with Wilbur, you know, for 44 years now, mm-hmm. which is a scary thought, mate. <laughs> and anybody who spent any time in the company of Wilbur Wilde will know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, I was going to say, take your greasy was out in the 70s. So you would have been a young fellow. You would have been in, what, your early 20s? Yeah, I was 23 when uh, when I joined the band. Right. Uh, Willie was Willie was the youngest. He was only 19, or he wow. might have been 20. Wow. Um, but he was the most experienced pro muso out of a lot of us. Yep. So I'll give you the background. There was a band in uh, around Cronulla in Sydney, around the Shire and and Cronulla in Sydney called Fannis. Yes. Uh, and that that was a four piece band, and and that was the the core of the genesis of the band that turned into All 55. So in Thanis were Jim Manzi, Jeff Plummer, Patrick Drummond, and uh, Rockpile Jones. Right. And they had met up. Now, Jeff Plummer, who was the drummer, he worked in the public service. And one of his workmates was Glenn A. Baker. Now, you'll know Glenn A. Baker's name. You will. Uh, and he was just working in the public service and had dreams of being involved in rock and roll. So he and Jeff were mates, and Glenn, it was Glenn's idea to put together this band, uh, of, of like a 50s tribute band, um, and based sort of a, a, around Shana Na, which was the band from America, and it was his idea to call it Old 55. And uh, Jeff said, well, you know, I've got this band, and Glenn went along and saw a gig or rehearsal and thought they were very good and had a lot of potential, but they decided that they needed a front man. Uh, and so that's where, the, where they were. Now, at that time, I was actually a chartered accountant for Price Waterhouse in, in Sydney, but I was dabbling in music. I had, um, you know, I was a keen surfer, and like all good surfers, you know, I had a combi and a red set of dog and a guitar. <laughs> okay. And... So I was just dabbling in music, and I had a little—I I had a little band together called Peppercorn, which was uh, just you know me and three mates, and we were doing the odd gig, and mostly uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young stuff, uh, Van Morrison, Neil Diamond, that sort of stuff, uh, and we went in a talent quest at the Right East Leeds Club in Sydney, and we won that talent quest, and much to everyone's surprise, and. Part of the prize was four Friday nights gigging at a pub near Sydney Uni and getting paid for it. Now, at that point in my life, to get paid for making music was, you know, something that I hadn't even thought about. Right. So we went along and started doing these gigs on Friday nights at this pub. It was a Union Hotel uh, near Sydney Uni. And Jim Manzi uh, came along and saw us one night. And then he came back a week later and, and bought Glenn A. Baker. And they approached me after the gig and said that they had this band. They were trying to put together this band called Old 55 and was I interested in joining them. So Jim came back uh, the following Saturday night and he bought Glenn A. Baker. Mm-hmm. And they approached me after the gig and said, do you want to join this band we're putting together called Old 55? And I said, oh, you know, not really. I'm really a chartered accountant. I'm just doing this for fun. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, you know, we, we've got a recording contract and, we were get, and we're going to record a single like in, in, a, in a month's time. Wow. And that was obviously too good an offer to refuse. Yep. So I said, okay. So we went and started rehearsing uh, down at Jim's parents' house in Cronulla. 
and then we recorded uh, that first single, which was Diana, yes. which is on the Take It Breezy uh, album. Now, that was our first single. Right. And it wasn't that big a hit, uh-huh. but it did show the record company, um, Mushroom Records, that there was some potential uh, for the band. Okay. So it's all really, I can't give too much credit to Glenn A. Baker because, it was, as I said, it was his idea to put together this band. He had a vague concept in his mind, and the name Old 55 uh, came from a Tom Waits' song, uh, a song by Tom Waits, and it was, it was recorded by the Eagles as well as Tom Waits. It's a beautiful song, and it talks about... A, the old 55 in the song title is an old 55, old uh, custom line, okay. a 1955 custom line. So it's a song about a guy in his car. And um, that was where the idea for the name and the band came along. And then virtually we, we kept rehearsing and we started recording. And that was we went into recording studio Trafalgar Records uh, in Annandale in Sydney, produced by Charles Fisher who went on to do lots of other uh, great uh, recording and producing, um, uh, with, including Savage Garden and all sorts of people. But he produced Take It Greasy. And so we had this album working and we had a recording deal and we were starting to do a few gigs and we were literally overnight sensations. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That uh, album went like three times platinum. It went three times platinum uh-huh. uh, and, well, there was – a good deal of good, you know, some good management, obviously, um, but a good deal of luck. Our timing was excellent. Right. And when I say we're overnight sensations, we our fifth gig was supporting ELO, the Electric Light Orchestra, oh, wow. at the Horton Pavilion. Jeez, and uh, quite frankly, with no false modesty, we blew them away. Yes. And all the reviews in the papers, the, remember newspapers? Oh. <laughs> back, in day, <laughs> back in the day, yeah, think of the past now. <laughs> All the reviews in the papers were just like, who is this old 55 and where did they come from? Yes. Because we were a great live act and we had, you know, we had really good music and we played with great energy and uh, had really good harmonies uh, and we were very visual and we were very funny. Yes. Uh, we did a lot of gags and messing about. We, you know, we would do stuff like we'd build a human pyramid Mm-hmm. In the middle of the stage, you know, in the middle of the set, right? And we were, uh, we'd all wore, we all wore extravagant clothes because we were a fan of the band. We remember that, and we were, you know, just out and out larrikins, but backed it up with really good music. And then we released uh, on the prowl, yes, uh, which was our uh, the next single, and that was a very very big hit. Yeah, and uh, even today, when I listen to on the prowl today. Uh, it's no surprise to me that it was a hit yeah. because it's a great song. It is. And it was beautifully produced. And even now when you hear it, you know, if it's on a compilation CD or something uh, from the 70s, uh, it jumps out at you as because the production was so great and strong. Yes. And it had an attitude, you know, an Aussie larrikin attitude yes. uh, that obviously had great appeal to, to the audience. But as I mentioned, it was there was good music and good management, but also good luck because yeah. we were that single right at the time that Countdown went to colour, Telly. Yes. And it just boosted us along with a whole lot of other great bands from that period. Right. All uh, rock stars. <laughs> okay. In a matter of weeks, 
you know, this is in the days of Sherbet, uh, uh, Skyhooks, Ted Mulry Gang, yes. uh, uh, Dragon, uh, even the early ACDC, uh, bands like that that had um, a lot of visual appeal. Yes. And that, that's how it got started. And that all happened, as I said, that all happened in a period. So all that from the time the boys approached me uh, to when we were rock stars, it all took about six months. Wow. And it was just a whirlwind, mm-hmm. uh, a roller coaster, because Mushroom Records got right behind it in terms of promotion, and uh, all the radio stations uh, loved us because, as I said, because we were larrikins, and, and nobody at that time was doing the sort of music that we were doing, which was, um, you know, rock. Yes. Uh, rock and roll, but with you know, really lovely harmonies and popping harmonies. Yeah, yeah. So, and we had, you know... We had to, um, we were able to take advantage of myself and Wilbur's big, larger-than-life characters. So we got we got a lot of TV exposure and radio exposure, and yeah, it just went boom. Fantastic. And uh, we didn't know what hit us, to be honest. No. Oh, there you go, folks. We didn't know what hit him. I know what hit him. Absolute talent. Now, that's the first part of the interview. I'm going to play you a couple of tracks that Frankie mentioned. He mentioned On the Prowl and this one. And we got more Frankie J throughout the rest of the program. We are here till after seven this evening, so stick with me, all right, guys?
On the Prowl, my greatest hit. I always used to sing that song as well with the uh, dynamite duo back in the day. Yes, I did. And uh, what a what a great guy. Frankie is such a great guy. Now, stick around, okay, because throughout the course of the program, I'm going to be playing you two more parts. He's going to be talking about his uh, his career a little bit further into uh, Old 55 as well as the old Sky Daddies. Uh, we're going to touch on his television, acting and movie career as well as this fantastic caravan park, which he owns in Tartar, okay, which is the Beachside Caravan Park. If you want to find out anything about it, have a look at my uh, website, okay, um, on the aussieflashbacks.com.au, and there, if you go into the menu and scroll to uh, upcoming show, he'll be listed there. There's a, there's a link to his caravan park, so you can check it out if you'd like to go and pay him a visit, all right? School holidays are coming up, listeners, so if you think you might want to go on to the beautiful Sapphire Coast, Frankie does do shows. He does a couple of shows, I think, through the week for his uh, guests there at the caravan park. So uh, you might even get to meet him. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you get to meet him. 
Maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Just go and check out the place, all right? Now, I'm going to keep the music coming your way. I'm going to send a song out for Steve. Now, Steve is a sort of new listener. He's a brand new listener for me. Uh, I met him at Scott's Head about a week or so back um, and his other partner, Megan. Now, Megan sent me a message and said, uh, could I please play some um, Celebate Rifles? Okay, now you guys may not know a lot about this band, as I said. He, uh, Stephen, very knowledgeable guy, knows a lot about Aussie music and uh, asked me for this band, which I've got, asked me for a song called Wild Desires. So uh, check it out, listeners. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Steve knows a lot about Aussie music.
there you go, Stephen. What a great song, Wild Desires, and that was the Celebrate Rifles, okay? Now, for anybody who doesn't know much about them, uh, they formed back in 1979, and, and I guess you'd call them a punk rock band, okay? Check them out. Go on to Spotify and find out a little bit more about them because they are a great band. Now, I'm going to play a song. This is a great song by a great Australian band. And the lead singer's gone to rock and roll heaven, Daryl Cotton. I've had a request from Kevin. Kevin said, I want to hear a Beatles song, but I don't want to hear the Beatles do it. All right, I want to hear an Australian version of a Beatles song. And I said, all right, we can play it for you. Here it is now. It's called Eleanor Rigby. Thank you so much, Kev.
Oh, there you go, listeners. There you go. Eleanor Rigby, and that was, of course, made famous by Zoot. I'm going to do a double shot, and then I've got to play some uh, Brian Cad for Maureen down in Victoria. This is a song called Life in a Northern Town.
Oh, there you go, listeners. That is Zoot, Life in a Northern Town from their Archaeology album. Got a lot of requests coming in, folks. I am going to be here till after 7 o'clock this evening. If you do want to hear anything, it's got to be Aussie. You can either call me on 1300494988 or you can text message me on 0492 I've got to play a request. This is another one from Maureen. She sent me in a few and I'm sort of squeezing them in between others. She asked me for a track by Brian. Cad, all right. This is a great song, and hey, this is another one I used to sing. For people who don't realise, I did used to sing back in the day as well. Okay, and this is my most favourite Brian Cad song of all. It's going out to Maureen in Victoria. It's a number called "Let Go."
Oh, what a great song. Brian Cadd, one of the greatest, one of the finest songwriters in this country. Now he's moved to America. We've lost another one to the US. I don't know why. But he's gone over there. He had a brand new album out last year called uh, Silver City, celebrating 50 years in the industry. Recorded that in Nashville and... um, Looks like he's staying there. Yes, my, my conversation with uh, Glenn Shorick about two, six or eight weeks ago, and he tells me he's over there, and it's looking like he's going to be there for good. So fingers crossed he'll come back every now and then to perform, but he's no doubt making lots of bucks over there writing songs for other people because he's a great, great songwriter. Alrighty, now I'm going to play a couple of tracks. Now, firstly, I'm going to play a track called Oki. Now, you would not have heard of this unless you were tuned in to me last week when I was coming to you live from Scott's Head. I've got to play some Slim Dusty, and I've got a brand new listener all the way from Tweed Heads. Ryan wants to hear a song by the Marlon McDonald Project, okay? And I'm going to get that up very shortly. Thanks for connecting there, uh, Ryan. It's great to have a brand new listener and all the way up at Tweed Heads as well. Um, but before any of this happens, I'm going to play this song by Oki, uh, called Oki, and... Um, the songwriter, his name is Sam Rodley, and um, he lives down on the south coast, of, yes, the south coast, the wonderful sapphire coast of Tarthra, and occasionally Sam plays guitar with Frankie J at his caravan park. But apart from that, Sam's also a great talent in his own right, and he's written this song called Oki, and I want you to listen to it, folks, okay? Oki, Sam Rodley. Bonsai Pie 
Ah, uh, there you go. Oki Okaluko. Okay, and it's in a DVD all about surfing. The guy that made it was a great Australian surfing documentary filmmaker. Okay, and uh, heard the track, and it's a great track, and I love it. I really do love it. I got to tell you, Sam, keep up the good work, my friend. Write some more fantastic songs for us. Okay, now this one, this is a bit different for this man. Normally, he rings me up and he asks me for heavy, heavy blues rock style music. Okay, and I just got a message from Chris at Party Central. And he said, we haven't heard any Slim Dusty for a while. And Slim is a great Australian legend. He's iconic in the industry. And um, oddly enough, I was actually at the pub with no beer at um, Taylor's Arm about, gosh, about three or four days ago, just before I got back from my road trip where I was down at Tartha and then up at Scott's Head. I've been everywhere, everywhere on the planet. And... um, doing lots of recordings and also doing the shows live because I'm able to do that now from wherever I'm at, whatever location. So I was at the um, at the Taylor's Arm, the pub with no beer, and I've got the backstory. I, I interviewed the general manager of that and I got the backstory to the song the pub with no beer and that's going to be on the program next week along with my special guests round mountain girls you got to check that one out as well okay so for chris from party central he asked me for some classic slim dusty the song he asked me for is a number called the lights on the hill Preserve 
Uh, there we go, going out to Chris at Woi Woi Party Central. The lights on the hill, there are blinding me. So, as I said, I was at the pub with no beer at um, Taylor's Arm about four days ago, and I spoke with the general manager there of the hotel. She gave me the backstory. A lot of people may not be aware that Slim didn't actually write a pub with no beer. He recorded it in uh, 1957, and he had a number one hit with it, but he didn't actually write it. There are a couple of people responsible for that, and you're going to find out all about that next week with my special guests, the Round Mountain Girls. Now, keeping the music coming your way, I'm going to play uh, a track by a band I've not heard of before. Now, this was a request from Ryan up at Tweed Eds, and um, Ryan was one of the people that was at Party Central last week celebrating the 21st birthday of Kalisha. And he's messaged me and said, can you play a track by the Marlon McDonald Project? Now, I don't know much about him, but I went a searching for the song he asked me for, which is a number called Trouble, I think was the one he asked me for. And from what I've been able to find out in about 40 seconds, uh, they're a hard rock and roll band, okay? They say they're full of catchy guitar riffs and hooks and heavy, crunchy guitar tone and shredding solos. So they go by the name of uh, Marlon McDonald Project. And the track Ryan asked me for has a number called Trouble. Let's give it a whirl. Going out to you, Ryan.
Right, listeners, I'd be interested to hear your comments on that band. Marlon McDonald Project, okay? They've got about four or five songs. I think they've got an EP and some singles. Uh, those days are gone. Uh, those days are now gone is one. When the time comes, trouble, the one I just played. Um, and I think that's about it. They're, they're obviously relatively new. And this is good because one of the things I do here on this program is not only do I keep the music of the legends alive, as my good mate KB would say, uh, the antiques, we keep the antiques alive and keep their music uh, popular with the youngsters, but we also promote young and upcoming talent, all right, unsigned bands. Now, they're obviously unsigned, and this artist I'm going to play next is an unsigned artist as well. The band goes by the name of Hammerswitch, and I had the pleasure of meeting these boys in the studio <laughs> and uh, when they were cutting down these tracks, and boy, can these guys rock. This is my favourite song of theirs. It's a number called Changing Gears, and the band is called Hammer Switch.
All right. What do you think, a hammer switch? Those boys know how to rock. I've got to tell you what, they are an incredible band, and they got that uh, six-track EP, and it's uh, it's called Unchained. Unbelievable stuff. I want to I want to hear more from the up and coming artists, okay? Because um, sooner or later the antiques are all going to die, and we need to introduce new music into the country. It doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's Aussie and it's wholesome, and there's no bad language or any of that nonsense in it, okay? Now I'm going to play one more song, and then I am going to uh, have part two of the uh, Frankie Frankie J interview now we cut it up into four bits because it was just too much for us to to just have uh in in one go so i thought you know what we'll cut it into uh we'll cut it into four bits and we'll play a bit play some music play a bit more and so on and so forth so i've got to send this track out to wizzo he wanted to hear a track called a slowly learning how billy thorpe for wizzo at party central straight after this i'm going to play part two of the interview
Uh, there you go, listeners. Slowly learning how. Going out to Wizard Party Central. Billy Thorpe. Gone to rock and roll heaven way, way too early in his life. All right, this is part two of the Frankie J interview. A long way from being an, being an accountant. I bet that was the best decision he ever made. Well, you know what? That, that wasn't a decision I made. No. That decision was made for me, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what happened was uh, we started gigging. And we started, as I said, immediately attracting a lot of attention and and pulling huge crowds and, and getting a lot of exposure on the radio and telly, uh, half the time for the antics that we were up to. And my employers at Pricewaterhouse, which, as you'd be aware, That's chartered accounting is a, quite a conservative, staid <laughs> profession. Absolutely. And they didn't take too kindly to one of their audit seniors mm-hmm. uh, being seen on telly in a leopard skin suit yeah. Um, uh, messing around uh, and doing outrageous stuff, so they actually pulled me in one Friday right. and, su- and and suggested that I might be better off to pursue my career in entertainment. Seriously, uh, they did. And wow. at the time, I well, quite frankly, I shat myself, <laughs> and uh, I said, no, 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 this rock and roll thing, this is just a, a sideline, you know. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give that away. Um, because I could see that I would have a good, well-paid and long career in chartered accounting, right? Uh, even though it might have been a bit boring. But they said, no, 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 here's, um, 
you know, here's your check, there's the door, what's your hurry? And uh, so that night, now here's a story for you. That night, it was a Friday night, as I said, I, so I just got the sack from Pricewaterhouse. Mm-hmm. And I had a gig that night with all 55 at a pub called the Vicar of Wakefield Hotel in Dural, in the northwestern suburbs of Sydney. Right. And we went out there and did the gig. We set a, uh, we set a crowd attendance record, I remember, which wasn't broken until Cole Chisel came along, you know, four or five years later. Okay. And that night we were using um, flash bombs as part of our lighting effects, and some of the incendiary material from the flash bombs right. must have gotten in, into my eyes because during the gig, you know, I could see my eyes were going funny. I was, I'd look at the lights and I'd see a halo around the lights and, uh, like a rainbow yep. around the lights. I just kept doing the gig and rubbing my eyes and I went out afterwards just after the gig as you do or as you did. Yep. And uh, I woke up the next morning and I was blind. Oh, wow. Could not, I could just open my eyes, but when I opened them, I couldn't see anything. And, of course, talk about, so I shut myself again. And I had to get my girlfriend at the time who I was living with, a girl called uh, Jay, and I... I'd become estranged from my parents. I hadn't spoken to my parents for a good 12 or 18 months. And I had to ask this poor girl, Jay, to ring my parents, introduce herself to them, you know, saying, hello, my name's Jay. We haven't met, but I've been living with your son for the last six months. And uh, he's asked me to ring you to let you know that he's been sacked from Price Waterhouse oh, and, uh, and he's blind. Oh, no. <laughs> How did they handle that? Well, uh, not very well. No, goodness <laughs> me. And, and here you are leaping around on stage in a leopard skin jacket. They must have thought you were on all sorts of drugs, <laughs> giving up uh, your yeah, career, turned yourself blind, and, and what the heck's going on with my yeah. son? <laughs> well, they, they, they did, and they were right about most of it. Okay. Uh, but um, so that, that, I then went to the eye hospital, and what I'd done was I'd ulcerated my iris rubbing this stuff around in my eyes all night. Yes. And uh, I had to, it was fine. I just had to get some ointments and I had to wear pads and patches over my eyes for a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a, a very grounding experience. Right. But um, it was then at that point that I decided, right, I've had the sack from Pricewaterhouse, uh, I better make a success of this rock and roll thing. And thankfully we were able to do that. Yeah, we were. You were indeed. Now, you left the band, though, after a while, didn't you? You and Wilbur left you, because the next album you yeah. came up with was um, Cruising for a Bruising and you guys weren't on that. So what, what was behind that? Did you just get tired of the band or there was a different direction? You wanted to take it somewhere? Somebody else wanted to take it somewhere else? Well, what was the story behind that one? Well, you know, even as I think about it all these years later, I still can't come up with a concrete reason uh, except to say... As I mentioned, it was a whirlwind. We went on this whirlwind. We went from just being suburban boys, a chartered accountant. You know, Mansie was still at uni. One was a public servant. One was a teacher. And we went into this whirlwind of rock and roll and touring and being rock stars and having adulation. And anyone will know it's not all beer and skittles. No, definitely not. Uh, It is hard work. And you do burn the candle at both ends. Mm-hmm. And it, it, um, so, it, and, and there was, it seemed to me to be no end in sight to it. So you add that into uh, the fact that um, naturally enough, when you're living with guys, 
uh, that closely and under some pressure, uh, then, you know, you can rub people the, the wrong way and personalities do clash. Yeah. So you get a bit of that going on as well. And and then the other thing was that the, the Jim, Jim Manzi was the prime songwriter in the band. And he, and I was still very good mates with Jim, and we, we still do gigs together every now and again, so I don't mean this as a criticism, but he, he wanted to take the musical direction of the band into a softer uh, direction that is more like the Beach Boys. Okay. Whereas Wilbur and I wanted to keep it hard and rocky, more like Chuck Berry. Okay. If I can use those as examples. Mm-hmm. And uh, Glenn A. Baker, he sided with Jim in that musical direction that they wanted to go in. And so it, it all, all of that added up. And then I'd also met a girl and fall another girl and fall in love. And, uh, you know, the attractions have just stayed. And I had, a, I had an apartment at Manly, uh, right on the water in Manly, and the attractions of being at home in the apartment of Manly with my attractive girlfriend and living that life for a while was uh, more appealing than going back on the road with these half a dozen bozos <laughs> and, and, and punishing myself uh, physically and mentally. So that was what I did. I, it was at the Captain Cook Motel in Canberra. Uh, the Captain Cook Hotel Motel, yep. uh, that I decided to call it quits uh-huh. and just said to the boys, right, that's it, um, and walked away. Okay. And then I think Wilbur, Wilbur might have stayed for a couple of more gigs, but very quickly decided that um, uh, it wasn't going to work for him either, so mm. so he left. Uh-huh. And, um, and then and years later, years later, like, Maybe 30 years after that, I'm at uh, in Kakadu in the Northern Territory. Right. Have you been up there? Uh, yes. Yeah, no, not, okay, as far as, not as far as Kakadu, but yes, I've been up in the Northern Territory. Yeah. Well, those who've been to Kakadu, uh, and everybody should go, by the way, yes. uh, will be aware there's a spot there called Nulangi Rock. Uh-huh. What you do is you clamber around this very big rock, rock face, and you and you you know scarp you know clambering around cliffs and things and you're looking at uh, fascinating Aboriginal art and uh, the wonderful landscape up there. And anyway, I'm here with my wife and uh, two little girls, and we're walking along this narrow track along the cliff face, and somebody comes the other way, and uh, he pulls up and says, "You're," and he, and he had a German accent, and he said, "You're Frankie J. Holland, yeah?" I said, "Yes." And he introduced himself. His name was uh, Hans, mm-hmm. and he was the owner of the Captain Cook Hotel Motel at that time oh, when I left the band. <laughs> and he said to me, "Tell me, Frankie, I've always wondered. Hey, I've never had the opportunity to ask you." Mm-hmm. And bearing in mind, you know, we're standing on this narrow cliff face. Uh, I said, "You have to ask me now." He said, "Yeah, I'd like to know now." So he said, "Tell me, why did you leave the band?" Right. And I told him, just a culmination of those things. And he said, I have one more question for you. Are you still friends with Mr. Wilbur Vile? Mm-hmm. I said, yes, I am. I see Wilbur regularly. And he said, well, can you ask him why did he find it necessary to shove a, a telephone book down the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> where, where you guys were staying? <laughs> yeah. Oh. So 30 years later, this guy comes up to me and says, why did he shove the toilet book? The, the telephone, telephone book. book down the toilet. 
And what are the um, chances of, first of all, meeting, meeting? And yeah, obviously, you didn't have an answer for that. What could you say? That we ran out of toilet paper? <laughs> I, just, I just think I'll ask him next time I see him. Now, can we continue our tour? Oh, good. But yeah, so that was that. And, um, but it was one of those decisions. Now, anybody listening to this would have had these decisions. You know, you have to make a tough decision in your life. Yes. And as soon as you've made it, you either go, oh, shit, I wish I hadn't done that, or you go, oh, this feels great, you know, and you feel a great weight lift off your shoulders. Yeah. So as soon as I'd made that decision, I, it, I felt great. Uh, I felt like it was the right decision. So I never regretted it uh, from that point of view. Although I, I have had sometimes, every now and again, I've, I've uh, pondered what if, what if I'd stayed, yes. what, what, what could we achieve uh, and what could we have done. But it's not a regret. It's just a, a, it's interesting to think about what we could have done. But look at but look uh, at the things you've done. I mean, if you would have stayed with the band, you may not have, I mean, you got into television, you got into movies, you, you received a, a, a Logie Award. Maybe none of those things would have happened. You might have had a successful music career and still be gigging around hotels and clubs today. But do you think you'd be where you are today with the accolades of the television and the, and the films and so on and so forth? Well, that's right. So you've got to weigh all of that up. And, of course, there's no way of predicting that or even in or working that out in hindsight even. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just don't know. But as I said, the minute I made that decision, I felt good about it. And you're, I'll just pick you up on a little note of fact. Yes. We did reform um, and do an album called Five Lives Jive. Okay. Five Lives Jive. Wow. Didn't know that. Now, that was a live album that we, we, well, when I say live, we went into a recording studio in Sydney and assembled an audience, in in inverted commas, a small audience, and we did a, virtually recorded it live. Now, we had to do that because we still had a a commitment with Mushroom Records to do one more album. And, of course, everybody tried to talk me out of leaving, including... uh, Michael Gudinski uh, and lots of other people. But I just, as I said, I felt the decision was right for me. And so we went and recorded that album. And then and then after that, the boys did uh, Cruising for a Bruising. And that, as you mentioned, Wilbur and I uh, weren't on that or any of their other recorded material. And they did, you know, they had some hit records. They had Ruby yes. and uh, Stay While the Night Is Young. Incredible song. Uh, in the meantime, we had another good hit record with Rock and Christmas. Yes, you did. That was in, yeah, it was Christmas of '76. That's an incredible song. And uh, yeah, that was again a Tim Manzi original. And um, that I remember that we remember that song because that song knocked ABBA off the charts. We went to number one, certainly in Melbourne, and knocked ABBA off the charts. So <laughs> <laughs> quite an achievement to knock a band like ABBA off off the charts. But you know, I've never I'm, that's available. I've never even heard of that album. So I've definitely... Uh, Look, I can't tell you. I've got a couple of copies, mate. If you want one, I'll send you one. Absolutely, because I'm a huge fan of you guys and uh, or your band, and I didn't even know about that album. That's something. The last time I saw you guys as as a band was, I think, about... It would have been more than 20 years ago. It was probably the anniversary of 20 years of the album. And I saw you guys at Blacktown Workers Club. Incredible, because I've and I've actually got the Take a Greasy CD signed by the whole band. Well, that it was, certainly would be more than twenty years ago. Okay, there you go then. Uh, I've, I've, um, or no, wait a minute. 
Now, you may be right. Uh-huh. So we did reform. We did reform in 2002. Right. Uh, because that was my 50th birthday year. Okay. And I said, right, as part of that celebration, let's reform and do a few gigs. Uh-huh. And... Um, and we might have done the Black Cam Workers then. I did. So that'll be 2002. So that is about 20, nearly 20 years ago. So was, that's right. Was your, drummer, was your drummer overseas at the time or no? I'm trying to think. No, uh-huh. no. Now, um, I didn't know. Jeff Plummer, who was the drummer in Old 55, yes. unfortunately passed away uh, about maybe 12 or 15 years ago now. But he was certainly, he drummed with us in that 2002 little mini tour that we did. Yes. But he wasn't there for the 40th anniversary mini tour that we did. Uh, And we were fortunate enough to replace him with another great legend of Australian rock and roll, Freddie Strokes. Okay. The drummer from Skyhooks. Yes. And also played with Jojo Zepp and the Falcons. Mm -hmm. And he played with the Sports. Yes. And he played with the Bushwhackers. Freddie's made a great contribution to Australian music. And as I said, he he when when we wanted to do the the gigs for the 40th anniversary, and we knew that obviously Jeff Plummer wasn't uh, available because he passed away quite a few years before. Uh, our first thought was to go to Freddie um, because Wilbur and I, as I said, Wilbur and I have been playing, kept playing music together all these years, and most of that time it's been with Freddie. Right. Okay. So we we so Freddie knew obviously me and Wilbur backwards. Yes. And uh, and was familiar with most of the old 55 stuff because old 55 and Skyhooks did do a national tour in 1976 or 1977, mm-hmm. 1977. Yep. When they came back from the States, they went to the States, tried their luck there and came back and we did a tour called The Brats Are Back. <laughs> so we'd been friends with Freddie. In fact, I've been to all of Freddie's four weddings. There wow. you go. Wow. That's, okay. what, that's, what, that's what sort of a friend I am. Good on you. Four weddings. And, Oh, well, that's Freddie, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. No, um, no, not you. No, I know that. No, Freddie, okay. And I'm, and I'm happy to go to his next one as well, if he's listening. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, there you go, listeners. Part two of that. And he mentioned uh, an album, which I said I didn't have, Five Lives Jive. Well, guess what? I do have it now. Going to play you a track from it.
Oh, right. <laughs> oh, that was from their Five Jives Live CD, okay? Now, we also mentioned a couple of songs like Ruby and Stay. Now, Ruby and Stay were from their uh, were from their next album, Taking It, uh, not Taking It, uh, Cruising for a Bruising. And, of course, um, Wilbur and Frankie weren't on that album or any material after that but i'm going to play you that track ruby it's a great song i'm here for a long time tonight stick with me okay There you go, listeners. That, of course, is uh, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby. Will you still be mine? From their Cruising for a Bruising album. Okay, keeping the music coming your way. It's 6.26. I'm going to be here for a while tonight, okay? I'm going to play an interview a bit later on that I did in Tartra with one of the local businesses uh, when I was down there. I was trying to 
track up uh, chase up Frankie, but we just couldn't make our times coordinate, so we ended up doing a um, a pre-record, as you can tell. But the uh, the one I'm going to play, and it's going to be after seven o'clock. We're going to be here for uh, oh, I don't know. I'll just keep going until I get tired, I guess. <laughs> um, or if you get tired of hearing me. Um, but yeah, I'm going to play that interview a little bit later on, and that is with um, Gary and Joe from the Tartha Oyster Farm, and that's coming up oh, after seven. I've got two more parts to Frankie, which we'll play throughout the course, and um, also, don't forget, next week we've got the Round Mountain Girls and that interview I did at the pub with no beer at Taylor's Arm. And that's going to be coming up next week. So if you haven't heard of the Round Mountain Girls, I'm going to give you uh, a little taste of them right now. The song is called Mobile Love. Round Mountain Girls.
Well, as you can gather, there's no girls in that band. Round Mountain Girls is the name of the band. <laughs> there's five guys in that band, and three of them are named Chris. <laughs> I met them at the um, Wingham Acoustic Festival in about 2018, I think. And naturally, when you hear it, when you hear a name, Round Mountain Girls, you think you're thinking girls, right? <laughs> no, no way. In fact, they're well. I guess I guess they're fiddle player. You you could confuse him as a girl from the back because his hair's probably almost down to his backside. But yeah, definitely Rabbit, who um, we're going to have on the phones next week. He is definitely <laughs> no female. <laughs> All righty. And also as part of next week's show, we are going to be talking to, well, I've already done it because I saw, I, I met with her a few days ago at the pub with no beer at Taylor's Arms. And we're going to be talking with Tony Jones, okay? And all about this song. Oh, it's a lonesome away from your kindred and all by the campfire at night. Well, hear the wild dingoes call. But there's a nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear Than to stand in the bar of a pub with no beer Now the publican's anxious for the quota to come And there's a faraway look on the face of the bum The maid's gone all cranky and the cook's acting queer Oh, what a terrible place is a pub with no beer Then the stockman rides up with his dry, dusty throat. He breasts up to the bar and pulls a wad from his coat. But the smile on his face quickly turns to a sneer as the barman says sadly, the pub's got no beer. Then the swaggy comes in, smothered in dust and flies. He throws down his roll and rubs the sweat from his eyes. But when he is told, he says, what's this I hear? I've trudged 50 layman miles to a pub with no beer. Now there's a dog on the brander, for his master he waits. But the boss is inside, drinking wine with his mates. He hurries for cover and he cringes in fear It's no place for a dog round a pub with no beer And old Billy the blacksmith, the first time in his life Why he's gone home cold sober to his darling wife He walks in the kitchen, she says you're early Bill dear But then he breaks down and tells her pub's got no beer Oh, it's hard to believe that there's customers still, but the money's still tinkling in the old ancient till The wine dots are happy and I know they're sincere when they say they don't care if the pub's got no beer so it's a lonesome away from your kindred and all By the campfire at night, while hear the wild ingles call But there's a nothing so lonesome, morbid or drear Than to stand in the bar of that pub with a no beer 
There you go, listeners. The pub with no beer. Now, there's two pubs with no beer in Australia. Uh, one is at Taylor's Arms, which is uh, mm, around about the Port. No, not Port Macquarie. Uh, Maxville. Around about the Maxville. About about oh, I guess twenty, thirty k's from Maxville. And there's another one in Ingham in Queensland, and they both boasting that the song came from their hotel. Now, if you uh, tune in next week, as well as hearing the song, of course, you're going to uh, find out all about the song because Slim didn't write it. He recorded it in 1957, had a number one hit with it, and there is quite a backstory behind that song. All righty, so make sure you tune in next week and uh, find out all about that iconic song from an absolute iconic hotel. If you love hotels as I do, and I don't mean to stagger out of them at 3am in the morning. Hotels in Australia, some of these hotels have got incredible history. And if you go to the pub with no beer at Taylor's Arm, for example, it is one of those pubs. Another one is the Silverton Hotel out in the middle of nowhere, Silverton, where they uh, filmed Mad Max. There's the Mad Max Museum out there. I've been out there to that one. There's the other one, the Palais Hotel in Broken Hill, which is where they filmed uh, quite a bit of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. All great Australian movies with fantastic, iconic hotels um, attached. So um, I'm hoping next year to get to – I've been to all of these places, but I've never actually thought about getting interviews from the people about the history of the pubs. I've got a lot of photographs about the pub with no beer, and um, you'll have to check out the website, okay, because I'm going to be putting up a lot of photos about the pub with no beer. There's albums in there signed by Slim and the original music, the original lyrics, the the lyrics changed, fantastic stuff. And uh, I know you're going to find it uh, really interesting and very, very informative next week. Okay, this next song, this one's going out to Wizzo. Now, Wizzo loves his Aussie blues rock. And he's asked me for a song by Band of Light. If you don't know a lot about him, I suggest you go to Gil Matthews and he's got a record's... Um, label. It's called Aztec Records and he's in Melbourne. He's revamped all the classic vinyl records onto CD and now he's revamping it all back to vinyl because vinyl's had a a sort of an insurge, okay? Now this is probably the only place you're going to get this album. It's on uh, Aztec Records music site. Go to it in Google. He's got a huge list of uh, albums, all classic Australian stuff. As I said, things like Matter Lake and Band of Light and Billy Thorpe and all those legends. And um, you can get it all from him. You can buy it online and, yeah, pay for it online. He'll post it to you and there you go. You're going to get this great album. It's called Total Union and the track is called Destiny Song. Going out to Wizzo. Thanks for the song selection, my friend.
Oh, there you go, listeners. Going out to Wizzo, Band of Light, the Destiny song from the album Total Union. They only made two albums. The other one is called The Archer, and it is impossible to get. I do have quite a few of the tracks from it, but I just cannot get the actual album, which is quite upsetting. I would really love to have the entire album. Might play a couple of tracks from that next week, actually, if I uh, if I get any interest. Alrighty, I'm going to play a track now, and this is by the old Sky Daddies. Now, the old Sky Daddies was, of course, a uh, formation of a couple of members of uh, Skyhooks and a couple of members of Daddy Cool and a couple of members of Old 55. And I'm going to play a track from the old Sky Daddies, And then straight after that, we're going to have part three of our interview with Frankie J. Chicken walking down the street. I said, Oh, wow, baby, why the steady beat? She said, Wow, why square? Don't you dig the scene? Daddy Cool's a playing on that music machine. Daddy who? Daddy cool. Daddy who? Daddy cool. 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 She took me by the
funny. Now, getting on, you're talking about the Skyhooks and that. When you you formed your next band, which was Old Sky Daddies, and you had some yeah. Skyhooks members in that, well, a Skyhook member in that, is that right, or two Skyhook members? No, no, so that band, yeah, well, well done. And then old, you had the a Old Ross, Sky Daddy. Yep. The Old Sky Daddies were put together in uh, around about, now let me get my facts straight here, probably around about just the early 2000s, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And um, that was an idea of mine. And the lineup of the band was uh, two members of Old 55, yes. that is me and Wilbur, mm-hmm. two members of Skyhooks, uh, Freddie and Bongo Starkey. Yes. And two members of Daddy Cool, Ross mm-hmm. Wilson and Wayne Duncan. No, no, Ross Hannaford, Hannaford sorry. Hannaford, yeah, Hannaford. Ross, Ross yeah. Hannaford and Wayne Duncan. Uh-huh. And that band um, played the hits of those three bands and, you know, and then a lot of other stuff besides. And we did a lot of corporate work uh, over the next sort of, or oh, going on for oh, we'd, probably about five or six years, we were, we were working quite busily. Yes. Doing uh, corporate work and a lot of uh, clubs and stuff around the country, and that was a that was a great band. And, and if anybody's interested, if you if you Google old Sky Daddies, yeah, you will see uh, some stuff on YouTube uh, where we were doing some stuff on television. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's all I could find on on old Sky Daddies. I, I've, I've I've went searching through all the platforms. I couldn't find anything, but I saw you guys on YouTube. You're on the Hey Hey it's Saturday show. Yep. Um, yeah, I saw you on there. You did a medley of um, your like old fifty five and Skyhooks music. Great stuff. You didn't actually re- release any of that music, or no, we we, we didn't record. Well, we, I was busy uh, doing other projects at the time, as you mentioned, television and acting and things. And and Wilbur too was heavily involved in Hey Hey at Saturday at that time, so he was pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And um, we just didn't get around to recording anything. It's a pity. Yes, it because is. Because it was a very, very good band and we had a lot of fun. It was a great thrill and pleasure for me to be able to work with um, those musos who'd been heroes of mine, you know, particularly Ross Hannaford and Wayne Duncan. Yes. Uh, and Daddy Cool. I remember seeing them when I was at uni, at Macquarie Uni, and just being blown away. And still today, if you listen to any of the Daddy Cool um Music. It's 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 almost perfect rock slash pop. Yeah. Uh, music. Absolutely. So to put it into context, they of course were a fifties influenced band as we were, but they were four or five years before us, and then old fifty five came along in the mid seventies, and then sort of in the late seventies, uh, the Silver Studs. Yes, I remember the Silver Studs. I was gonna, I was gonna mention them. I actually saw the Silver Studs. They did, a, they were promoting. I've got their album. They were promoting their album, and I, I again, I think I saw them in Westfield at Blacktown or somewhere where they were doing a little thing in the in the middle of the middle of the shopping thing, trying to sell their albums and and, and get some um, get some airplay. You know what I mean? I've got that well, album. They, yeah, they 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 had their slice of luck too because they. Uh, started just as Happy Days started on the television. Absolutely, I, I think they recorded that song. They I did. Think they recorded. That. They did. Yeah. It's on their album. And yeah. very good, so, very good singers that, that those boys were. Absolutely. And I so don't know. My, that, they yeah, only did the I, one I, thing, didn't they? They only, to my knowledge, that's all they ever did, wasn't it? Didn't they have a very yeah, short-lived I, career? Or I think so. I think so. Um, but it, it might be time 
to uh, for another 50s influence band to uh, to come forward. You know, a young band, young guys playing some sort of original rockabilly or whatever. I think they go very well at the minute. Well, I think I'd rather see you, boy. I'd rather see you and Wilbur and try and get Manzies back on stage and do a do a bit of a reunion thing. If it's obviously Ross has gone to rock and roll heaven, Hannaford, and but if you could get the other boys back together, I'm, I'm sure you'd yeah, I'm sure you'd sell a lot of tickets. You had a great sound. I don't know whether or not that song stay. I mean, that's an incredibly high song. Does he still got the vocal ability to pull that off? Do you do you think or no? The chap that sang uh, "Stay" from um, I'm trying to think of the singer. That was oh, that, um, oh, that was Rock Pile. Rock Pile Jones. Jones. Yes, yes. Uh, the short answer to that is no. No, <laughs> he doesn't have that. He doesn't have to get up before. That was uh, an incredible vocal feat. And, and actually, when I saw you guys, like in that t- 2000 whatever it was, you guys finished the show. I remember this like it was just yesterday. You guys finished the show and you went off, and then everybody's calling for an encore. And then you introduced Rockpile and, and finished, um, he, he did that, he did Stay, and I thought, my God, he can still sing. <laughs> no, you know, then. I'll tell you, I'll let, let you know a little secret there. In, uh, that gig, those, yes. those high falsetto notes at that gig were done by Jim Manzi. Okay. Uh, because Rockpile had lost his falsetto. Okay. Um, but Jim has led a, uh, a more sheltered life than Rockpile. Okay. And and me, okay. for that matter. Fair enough. So he's still he's still able to uh, he's still able to do that. Fair enough. But yeah, they were they were they were great days, and I still I still love playing. And when Wilbur and I work together, we don't call ourselves Old Fifty Five. No, for leave reasons. Yes, but uh, we we still obviously play a lot of the old Fifty Five hits, mm-hmm. and are still heavily influenced by that music from that Time from that period. period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, I'd I'd love to see you guys perform again. I mean, hopefully, you know, it, it'll happen, and I'll I'll definitely catch up with you guys somewhere along the lines when when you're back to gigging, because I know yeah, with, a, with the COVID you've had you've had a few gigs cancelled. I know you we, when we were speaking through the week, you said you had some gigs that are cancelled, and um, I'll yeah, well, Wilbur and I mostly mostly do corporate events. Yes. Like private events mm-hmm. uh, or big uh, community festivals, festivals, yeah, uh, things like the Big Red Bash, uh, the Port Ferry Focus, or the Early Beach Music Festival. These ones are just popping into my head. Yes, and we but there was a, a number of gigs uh, scheduled in uh, April and May that got postponed, and now we're waiting to see whether or not they'll be able to go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so who knows what the future holds in that direction? But uh, something will happen there. You know. There are everyone's so keen for it to happen. Audiences and musos alike. Absolutely, that there'll there'll have to be a way to work it out. Everybody's biting at the bit to be out there performing and and earning and and um, yeah, doing their thing. So just yeah, tell well, me, we'll get off we'll get off the music um, because you know we could talk all day. I'm sure I've, I've got I was my my partner tells me I was injected with a gramophone. <laughs> I talk underwater <laughs> with a mouthful of marbles. Um, uh, you, you, your acting career, how did that all come about? Because you started, you did episodes in various things like uh, Prisoner and Flying Doctors and stuff, and then you, you ended up getting into films. How did that all come about? Well, back in the day when Old 55 uh, were in the heyday, in the mid-70s, there were lots of television shows uh, for you to appear on, all the variety shows. Yes. Uh, you know, the, there was a Don Lane show, there was a Paul Hogan show, there was a Mike Walsh show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we would go on those shows, and um, because of um, my 
personality, I suppose, I was often asked to get involved in little sketches, little comedy sketches on those shows. Right. And an agent, an acting agent, saw me doing that and then got in touch with me and said, you know, had you thought about acting? And I said, oh, no, not really, um, but I'll give it a crack. And um, she, she started to line me up, you know, small roles in all of those Crawford shows, you know, your cop shop, your prisoner, as you mentioned, special doctors, squad, country practice, flying doctors, all yep. sorts of things like that. Uh-huh. And then uh, slowly, you know, I was doing small parts in, in movies as well with some other young up-and-coming actors like Mel Gibson and Russell Crowe. Right. And uh, I don't know what's happened to them. I don't think they've kicked off. No, but, uh, definitely, but definitely still... not Mel Gibson. I've, I haven't heard from him forever. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so, and that's how it started. And it was just a bit of a gradual build-up. And then in 19, about 1990, I started to get good, solid work and I, I won a couple of awards for things that I'd done. And, um, and it's still gone on. And I'm very thankful to say that, um, yeah, I won a Silver Logie. 2019, 2019 yeah. for um, my work in A Place to Call Home, which is a show on Foxtel, which went, ran for six years. That's six years, and, yes, yeah, incredible. Yeah. So I'm, I'm the current, I don't think they had a Logies this No, this not this year, year no. So uh, you're still the current holder. I'm still the current holder, mate. So if somebody wants it, they can come and try and take it off me. <laughs> I'll settle for the CD, okay? I'm not going to try and wrestle <laughs> you to the ground for your for your logie. Um, and you're also you're also on the um, Walk of Stars up there in Caloundra between um, Red Simons and Daryl Summers. So that that must have been good for you, good to get your to get your handprint up there. And I wish I wasn't between those two guys. Huh? <laughs> Oh, well, no, yeah, that's right. It's been all sorts of. My, my career has been uh, been great. I'm very, very thankful, and I'm very respectful for the opportunities that have come my way. And I've been able to, you know, make a living, support my family, uh, do all that sort of stuff, doing something that I that I love and enjoy. Yes, and that I still find challenging right. and uh, and inspiring. And it's one of those things. Um, showbiz. It's something you. you you're still learning, even after 44 years. There's still stuff I'm learning, uh, and every show or every role, every day on set is different, and it's been a blessing. So I do thank those partners at Price Waterhouse. Okay, uh, who made that decision for me? Yeah, all absolutely. Those years ago. I think so. I think I think the next time we we speak, it'll be in person, and you and I'll share a drink and a toast to those guys who gave you the sack, because I think it's probably the best thing they ever did for you. It, well, in hindsight, yes, it was absolutely. absolutely. It's worked out. Um, it's worked out beautifully. And as I said, I've been very thankful for the things that have happened to me, but also the opportunity that I've had to work with so many uh, great performers. You know, all through my musical career, I've worked with great musicians, and uh, every, you know, and, and and through my acting career, worked with many, many great actors and directors. And uh, I feel very. Very humbled and fortunate to have been able to do that stuff. Okay, so do I you... remember. Yeah, go on. I remember when Willie and I. Uh, when was this? Oh, this, you know, back in the sort of uh, early two thousands, and we started doing uh, corporate work, and uh, we were at something on Hamilton Island. It was a huge event on Hamilton Island, and anyway, in the we were on the same bill as Glenn Shorick and Joe Camilleri and Ross Wilson. And Willie and I walked into the band room before the gig, you know, and we were pinching ourselves and punching ourselves, going, look, that's Ross Wilson over there. Mm, mm. Sorry, I want to get his autograph. <laughs> so it's been, 
Um, and now I, you know, and, and I can consider those guys to be peers, my peers now. Absolutely. So it's it's been a great thing. Yeah, very yeah. lucky I am. Fantastic. So do you, do you think that you'll like? Obviously, you're not going to be writing new music and perform other than the things you do with Will. But what about acting? Because you've got this caravan park, which we're going to talk about in a moment. I mean, you're sort of retired from that lifestyle of acting and performing, other than the the corporate work that you do with uh, with Wilbur. Or if if, if I hope not, mate. I'm, I'm at the moment. I'm com- compulsorily okay. that's a word retired because yes. of the restrictions. Yes, but I'm certainly hopeful that uh, come the new year, mm-hmm. if not before, yes, things will start to get back to normal, and there'll be some. Uh, you know, I was doing some work at home and away. Uh, just before this all finished, I hope that that maybe can pick up and continue. Yes. And uh, the live gigs, but I am very happy. I, I'm very fortunate, as you mentioned, I own a caravan park yeah, in Tantra. Yeah. Tell us about the caravan uh, park, mate, because I reckon with all the things that have happened, like this year with Corona and then the big bushfires, and then in 2008, you were saying that acting is challenging and so on and so forth. Well, it's the last few years must have been very challenging for you with your caravan park. Well, it has been. Uh, the park is called Tartra Beachside, and it's at Tartra, which is on the, the Sapphire Coast, the far south coast of New South Wales, near Bega. Yes. Near Bega, sort of Marimbula, uh, that Bermagui, that area. It's a beautiful part of the world. Yeah, it's only uh, half an hour north of where I live. Right. So it's um, very handy from that point of view. And I normally, not at the moment, but normally I would be up there uh, two or three times a week doing uh, gigs. Yes. So I get to play live music in the park. It's very uh, casual and laid back. You know, we light a fire and uh, get a couple of musos and uh, get a food truck to come, maybe to pizzas or some curries or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone sit around and have a drink. And um, kids are playing on the playground. And mum and dad can listen to us play uh, songs. And we, and we do know a few songs because we're, cause we're old. Yes. Uh, so, and I love that. It's, that's a great outlet for me, and I am missing that, definitely. Yeah. But again, hopefully, we'll be able to uh, get through this, come out the other side, and uh, get back to normality, normality. At, at some time in the near future. But yeah, Tartarus copped a, a three-peat, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had fires go through Tartar in uh, 2018, March 2018, and then 2020, uh, with the fires, which was the big black summer bushfires, the fires didn't come into Tatra, but it was certainly threatened and all the tourists were told to go leave the area uh, early in January, right in our peak period, and not to come back. And eventually they did come back in March and then, of course, COVID hit. Yes. Uh, and then that was settling down in June. Things are looking good. And then, of course, the Melbourne situation happened. Yeah. And the Victoria lockdown. So it's been a difficult time for us and everybody who relies on tourism, uh, which is the main economic driver in this part of the world. So it's been tough. But like, you know, regional people, mate, they have, they're resilient. Yes. And they stand together. And yes. uh, we're actually taking the time to do some big renovations in the park to redo the roads, uh, put a new amenities block in, uh, do some do some things like that. And uh, so when we do get to open up properly, which I hope will be, you know, around the September school holidays, okay, uh, we'll be uh, ready and raring to go. Okay. 
And in relation to like the social distancing thing, because I, I remember we, we touched on that the last time we spoke, it's basically up to the responsibility of the people there to exercise their own common sense, isn't it, really? It's not like you're going to run around like the fun police and break people up and tell them they can't get that close. I mean, how do you think that's going to go? Well, you're right. We're not police. No. And uh, it, it is up to individuals to uh, um, police themselves, if you like. Yeah. But I will say this, that in a caravan park... Yep. That is just about the safest place to be mm-hmm. um, because uh, there is natural uh, distancing, if you like, yes. between you and the guests next door. The, you know, we by, by law, we have to have two and a half metres minimum mm-hmm. between each cabin or villa or each caravan site. Yeah. So there is social distancing in place already. Yes. And if people then just have to observe the, the social distancing rules and etiquette around uh, the use of the amenities and uh, in the common areas, you know, but that's not very difficult. No. But it's not as though, like, if you're in a motel or an apartment block and every time you open your door, you you bump into someone. Yeah. Uh, it's very – so, so car- and it, the other thing is, of course, you most you spend most of your time outdoors yeah. in a caravan park and uh, particularly our one is right on the beach. You've got 500 metres of absolute beach frontage there. So there's lots of space for you to get away from, from, from other people. But uh, that, these are all issues that we all, as a community, have to address and work through. Yeah. Uh, and, and to me, anyway, the the big problem is in in the cities, in the crowded areas. If you're in the regions where there's just not crowds, then the the, the risks are much are much less, you know, and you can manage the risk Absolutely. a lot easier. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, that's my advice to everyone: is get out into the regions. A, not only do they, you know, need your support, but B, you'll have a safe and more enjoyable holiday uh, than you will if you just um, go into a city and go into crowded restaurants and crowded bars all the time. You, <laughs> you, you do run the risk of something happening. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, I, I, I think that there's a lot of people that that are out there that are travelling, and obviously the Victorian borders, because you would have had a lot of you know, passing trade from Victorians going north and that's made it a bit difficult. But, look, I, I just want people to realise that Tartha is a beautiful place. What what, are the, what can visitors expect to see when they come to Tartha? You've got your great caravan park and, as you said, absolute beach frontage. Well, there you go, listeners. What can you expect to see when you go to Tartha and, of course, Frankie J's beachfront caravan park? Well, we're going to play the fourth and final part of that a little bit later on. I'm going to be here till probably 8 o'clock this evening. I've still got a few requests to play. I've got a few more tracks to play. Frankie was talking about the Silver Studs. Um, I don't know if anybody... I guess you would have heard of the Silver Studs. They were a trio, uh, sort of a 60s-sounding yeah, pop band, if you like. And they did do a cover version of Happy Days, and they did a couple of other songs. I'm going to play those now. I am here late, so if you do want to hear anything special, you know what to do. Um... I've also got an interview with um, Gary and Joe from Tarthra all about their incredible oyster farm, okay? Now, this this is a family-run business in Tarthra, and even though I wasn't fortunate enough to catch up with Frankie, uh, I did catch up with them because their son, Sam, plays occasionally with Frankie at the caravan park. So I'm going to play another one of Sam's tracks in a moment after I play a couple of songs by the Silver Studs, which, of course... If you had heard part three of the interview, you would have heard Frankie refer to them. And when they came out, was sort of when Happy Days came about 
on uh, Australian TV. So let's hear the Silver Studs and Happy Days.
Oh, there you go. By the light of the silvery moon, dance with a dolly with a hole in a stocking. And that, of course, was the Silver Studs. And I don't even know what those guys are still doing. I'm going to have to have a look. I'm going to do some searching through the week and find out if they're still performing and or recording. And uh, make them a make them an Aussie legend. Keep keep their music alive if they're still doing it. Okay, I've got part four in the final part. That's going to be coming up in about twenty minutes time. Okay, before I do that, I've got to send a song out for Julie. This is her first request for the evening. Wanted to hear a song by uh, Mary Wilson. The song is called Next Time. Going out to you, Julie. Thanks so much for connecting. Hope you've enjoyed the music I've been playing for you and all your friends this evening.
Hi, there we go, listeners. Next time, going out to Julie. All right, I'm going to play a song. I haven't played this song for years and years and years, and I know people love it, and that's why I'm playing it. Hey, have you figured it out yet? Now you'll understand what it was meant to be. Had you going there for a moment, didn't I? It's Colleen Hewitt. And the track is called Day by Day. What a classic, listeners.
Hey, Colin, you were, geez, I had you going for a moment, didn't I? When you heard it start, you heard that little rappy bit, and I thought, nah, I'm just going to play that and tease you, because you would have went, what the heck is Phil C playing? <laughs> what is that? That's not a flashback. But Day by Day by Colin Hewitt, that sure as heck is a flashback. All right, I'm going to keep going. I'll probably finish about 8 o'clock tonight. I've got to do part three, uh, part four, I'm sorry, of Frankie's interview, and we're going to do that straight after this track. It's only a short part, and uh, and then I've got to play a song for the, um, unfortunately, the uh, late, well, we say late, bass player, Tim Partridge. Now, Tim Partridge has passed away uh, on Saturday night. Um, now, he played in two bands. He was with Ross Wilson, pre-Daddy Cool, uh, Sons of um, uh, Sons of Vegetal, Mother, and uh, post-Daddy Cool, pre-Mondo Rock, Mighty Kong, all bands that I, that I have CDs to and play. Uh, Tim was a, a bass player. Uh, for Company Kane in 1970 and also King Harvest in 1971. Arnie Jack in 1974 and Kevin Borich Express between uh, 1976 and 1980. It was actually Kevin who um, sent me a message about 10 minutes ago. So, wow. Unfortunately, gone to another one, gone to rock and roll heaven. All right. And I'm going to play a track by KB after this, um, one from his uh, Celebration album. So I, I think we will play something from that because because uh, Tim Tim Partridge did play on that album and, and I think Celebration, well, celebrating his life is the way I'd like to uh, like to honour that, that man. But before that happens, I've got to play this for Chris. Chris is one of the party central people. He wanted to hear a track by the Masters of Apprentices. And the song he asked me for was a number called Because I Love You.
Master's Apprentices, do what you want to do, be what you want to be, yeah, because I love you. All right, I'm going to play a track now. This is um, a dedication to a fantastic bass player who's played in many, many bands and um, passed away on Saturday night, Tim Partridge. And it's probably going to be all over Facebook. I know Johnny Swan. I uh, was good friends with him and also Kevin Boric. He, he actually played with Boric on two of his albums. Celebration was one of them. And I'm going to play this title track from that album to honour such a great talent, Tim Partridge. The song is called Celebration. Straight after this, folks, I'm going to play the last part of the Frankie J interview. And I've also got another one from the Tathra Oyster Farm. And I'm going to close off with a couple of requests.
Kevin Morich Express from the Celebration album and the title track Celebration. Um, and of course, as I said earlier, Tim Partridge played on that particular album and he has now gone to rock and roll heaven, passed away on Saturday. Such a great talent. And he's going to be sadly missed by so many in the industry. Uh, I'm just going to do part four now of this interview with Frankie J. I've got another one with uh, Gary and Joe from the Tarthra Oyster Farm, and I've got to play a couple of requests for them. It's been a great night. I've got to tell you, I've had so many new people tuning in, people from Tweed Heads and people I met up at Scott's Head uh, that, uh, you know, they liked it on Facebook and they've been messaging me and saying what a great show and they're going to pass it on to their friends. And, of course, the Party Central people, without them, you know, I... I uh, I wouldn't really. I won't say I wouldn't have a gig, but boy, those guys never miss a gig. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how hard they've been partying through the. Like they start, they start hitting it pretty hard from about Thursday or Friday, but they're always hanging in there, uh, right to the death on Sunday. The last ones just said, "Man, we gotta, we gotta get some sleeps." <laughs> I don't think they've had any for days, so they're just sort of hanging up for the night. But um, I've still got a little bit more to come your way, so do stick around with me, okay? What about the town of Tartha itself? Well, when you come to this part of the world, uh, don't come if you're wanting to see a big shopping mall or if you're wanting to see huge bunnings uh, or if you want to see traffic lights uh, or if you want to see traffic, for that matter. Don't come if you if that's what you, the sort of holiday you want. If you want that sort of a holiday, uh, you can go to one of the capital cities. Mm. But if you want a holiday where you get to reconnect with nature and reconnect with yourselves as families, uh, then Tartra and the Sapphire Coast uh, is one of those places in Australia which is just an ideal spot to come. So what we've got here, you know, it's our natural environment. It's the big attraction here. Yes. We have incredible coastline, great surf, great fishing, uh, great seafood, wonderful oysters. Uh, and prawns, etc. And there are, and so you can spend your days just lazing around on the beach and having, having the odd surf or dive in the water if you'd like. But if you are more, if you like more activity, then there are lots of things to do. And as I said, mostly in the great outdoors. So in Tartha, there is fabulous mountain bike riding. Uh, there's fabulous golf. Uh, there's tennis courts and all that sort of thing. You can learn to stand up paddleboard. There's fabulous kayaking. Uh, great bushwalks. So it's that sort of a holiday. It's uh, get back into the environment and get off your tablets, get off your phones and um, reconnect with the universe and reconnect with each other. And that's what people love about coming to Tartar. And I know that's a lot of feedback I get from guests at the park. They say particularly their teenage or, um, you know, 12-year-old sons and daughters suddenly get off the phone and want to play Scrabble. Wow. Uh, with mum and dad, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the great, um, or charades, do you know what I mean? Yes. So that's one of the great the joys that I get out of owning the park is the fact that I'm helping families have great holidays together. And that's always been important, uh, particularly over the last, you know, 10 or so years as mum and dad are working harder and harder. And we all know this. You go to work and then you get home and you might have a bite to eat and then you're back at work, more yeah. or less, like you're checking your emails and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And everybody's doing it, mm -hmm. even the kids. So that family time together um, is very, very important from 
from everybody's, you know, your mental health and the success of a family and all of that. So, and I, I, I sound like I'm getting serious, and I am, but it's it, the sound of families having fun is what I've really missed during this COVID period, uh, and that's what the town of Tartar has missed. The sound of mums and dads laughing together and the kids giggling and, uh, and, and having adventures together and making memories uh, that will last them a lifetime. That, and that's, I get a lot of value out of the, uh, myself. It's good for my soul to think that I'm helping them do that in providing the facilities at the park that we do and also, uh, you know, what we do to, in terms of entertainment there. So uh, it's it's a great it's been a great thing for me. I've really enjoyed it. Well, Frankie, I've got to tell you, mate, you've sold me the next the next time I hook the caravan up, which probably won't be now this year. It'll be sometime next year. I, I'm going to definitely have to call through Tartha because you know you're talking about traffic lights and Kmart and busy cities. Um, that's what I always try to run away from. That's the whole idea of a caravan and a holiday is to go away and relax. And, yeah, I know. Take it from here. There's there, there are pl- there's plenty of lovely cafes and lovely restaurants, etc. to to eat at. Yep. Um, and, but you know, at our parks, this is the thing too, mate. Caravan parks now. You don't need a caravan to go to a caravan park. No, definitely. Uh, they should more accurately be called holiday parks because we have beautiful uh, a, a range of accommodation there. For uh, tents, which have got their full-on suited safari tents, just like being in Africa. Yes. Uh, right on the beach, uh, we've got uh, vintage vans, old-fashioned 60s and 70s vans wow. that we've done up that you can stay in, all the way up to, you know, two-bedroom, two-bathroom villas, up to three-bedroom uh, beach houses. And again, they're right on the beach. You just walk off your veranda, across about 10 metres of uh, sand dune, and you're on beautiful Tarsa Beach. Uh, so it's a holiday that anyone can enjoy, and it, but it is particularly ideal families. Fantastic. Fantastic. So we got, we've got a water park, you know, our own water park, and we've got our own um, kids' playground and a jumping pillow and all that sort of stuff. So our whole aim is to have the kids absolutely exhausted yes. at 5 o'clock at night. Okay. I get it. I get it. Yep. And then the, well, that way the adults get their time. Get the kids fed. Exactly. Get them to bed or let them crash in a bean chair or, <laughs> or a folding chair under the annex, and then you guys sit down and have your time. Exactly. Fantastic. That's what it's all about. Fantastic. Well, mate, as I said, you've sold me. The next time I hop in the van sometime next year, I'm going to call through there. I'm going to call in and see you, my friend. Um, what's your sure best way? Yeah, go on. No, yeah, make sure you do, I say. Oh, mate, absolutely, absolutely. I've been to Tartha once, but it was it was a long time ago, and it, I'm sure it's changed so much since then. And, not uh, a lot. Honestly, not a lot. Okay, okay. Just as, as I said, the coffee's better, and there's, uh, and there's good food. Uh, around there now, but in terms of size or scale, this area hasn't changed much. It's still got that lovely, charming uh, seaside village appeal okay. uh, that people just love. Fantastic, Frank. Well, I've got to tell you, mate. I'll I'll put this up on the uh, on my website, and I'll also add some links to your caravan park as well. And um, good on you, mate. Hopefully, uh, you know, people, when they listen to this, they're going to give you a call and, and want to come and visit the lovely town of Tartha and your beautiful caravan park. 
Good on you, Phil. Thank Thanks you very much. Thank you so much for your time, Frank. You're an absolute gentleman, my friend. I didn't think we'd been chatting for about 50 minutes here, and I'll, I'm going to turn this into a, a, a much longer program, which I've got the scope to do that, and I'll advertise it well in advance so I can do that. And I'll be playing uh, all 55, and I'll, I'll have to look at Sky Daddies on YouTube or something. But yeah, you've got to download that. Yeah, you should be able to. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, and uh, as I said, we'll 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 attach some links to your your park, and and hopefully, uh, when all this calms down, everybody's going to be wanting to run to your town instead of run to somebody else's. Yeah, we just don't want people going overseas, mate. No, 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 we don't. Look, since all this business is, is, uh, is, is sort of come upon us, caravan uh, manufacturers, there was a huge spike because everybody realised they couldn't actually go overseas. So everybody wants to holiday. And I guess the most economical and, and uh, you know, friendly way to do it, if you've got a vehicle that's capable of pulling something that's, you know, that's got reasonable size to it, is a caravan. Otherwise, as you said, you've got the glamping going on. You've got you've got the two bedroom villas. You don't even need to go to an expense, and you can still have a lovely holiday right on the beachfront. So, what else yeah. could you want? What else could you ask for? So, there, yeah, I'm aware of that uh, that spike in interest, yes. and uh, that's that's what we were experiencing in, as I said, in May and June. Yep, uh, they were much busier months, uh, much busier May and June than we would normally expect. Uh-huh. But once we get once this settles down, then there'll be a boom in domestic tourism. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely, absolutely. And once they find out you'll be performing, will you have Wilbur at some of these gigs, or is it just you and a couple of local lads? Or well, no, Wilbur's in Melbourne. But uh, as I said, generally we have a. Or I don't know whether I did mention, but generally we have a rockabilly festival in September. Yeah, no, you didn't mention that, but no, I, I didn't know had, about it. We've had, to, we've had to cancel it mm-hmm. um, because of everything that's going on. But Wil, Wilbur was coming up for that. Uh, and I was getting Manzi was coming down and some Sydney musos that, that worked with us. We've got a Sydney band and a Melbourne band, man, really. Right. And um, so the Sydney band were coming down, so it would have been great. But um, we'll pull it together. You know, maybe maybe November. Well, definitely, hopeful. definitely, mate. Where there's a will, there's a way. And one thing about Australians is they've got a big, strong will. And I'm, I'm sure we're all going to come through it. And um, we'll be better for it at the end. It's taught us all a lesson, Absolutely. I think, to, to first of all love your own country and, you know, appreciate what you've got in your own backyard. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Good on you, mate. Thanks all right, Frankie. Thank you. Just appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time, Frank. It's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. I've learned a lot about your music and uh, and your fantastic caravan park. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Oh, well, there you go, folks. That was Frankie J telling us all about his caravan park. We've been... Uh, playing his music from old 55 days and, of course, the Sky Daddies, and we were talking about um, the Silver Studs. And if you've been listening, we cut it up into four pieces and we played music in between it and so on and so forth. And, um, yeah, we've made an entire program around this wonderful town of Tarthra, which is absolutely fantastic. Now, the next one I've got coming up was um, the Oyster Farm in Tarthra is owned and run by... Gary and Joe, uh, husband and wife, and of course it's managed by their son Sam um, Rodley. And I did an interview with those guys, and here it is now, listeners. Good afternoon, listeners. I'm Phil C. Now, normally I do the Aussie Flashbacks program from 4pm in the afternoon, but today I'm actually covering an article for Scotty Gibbons with his On the Road program. And I'm in the beautiful town of Tarthra, and I'm going to be talking to 
Gary and Joe about their fantastic oyster farm. Tell us a little bit about your oyster farm, Gary. G'day, Phil. Lovely to have you here in Tarthra, mate. Yeah, yeah we're uh, uh, Joe and I uh, run uh, Tarthra Oysters, which a few of your listeners might have heard about over the years. Um, and uh, we farm our oysters uh, pretty close to, to the township of Tarthra here, just a little bit north, a little uh, uh, estuary called Nelson Lagoon. And uh, we're lucky enough to have our oyster farm there, and the uh, the beauty of the uh, of the Tarthra area, Phil, is that uh, we're surrounded by national parks. You know, we've got Mimosa Rocks National Park to the north of us, and Bournder National Park to the south of us. Um, very uh, um, visitor friendly parks that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people. Um, really rejoice and go and do these days, and we're lucky enough to have our farming enterprise inside of one of those national parks. So that's a very, very, very special thing for us. It comes with a bit of a responsibility too, Absolutely. of course, Phil. You know, to, to, to run a farm inside a national park. But, but uh, yeah, yeah. Now that's uh, we've been doing that for about thirty-two years now, and uh, that's uh, that's been a joy for us, really. Now, yeah, I noticed that thirty-two years, a family business, and you've won a, a heap of awards. Tell us about your awards. Well, yeah, we've been very, very fortunate, uh, Phil, over the years. And, and uh, the main way people probably would have heard of us, I suppose, uh, other than if they've come to Tartha and had the oysters, is, is uh, for them to have sampled them in some of uh, you know, Sydney's nice restaurants. And the reason we've been able to place them into those nice restaurants in the city is because we've, we've sort of got a bit of a profile over the years and, and a lot of that has, has been as a result of doing well at the... Uh, the Sydney Fine Food Show, which is run in conjunction with the, the Royal Easter Show. Uh, and uh, they've, they've been showing oysters since... Uh, 2001. Yeah, 2001, my wife Joe. That's Joe. Yeah. 2001. 2001. And, and uh, we've been entering since then and uh, we've, uh, we've won quite a few awards there over the years. Been lucky enough to, to get the Guernsey there. And then the ABC Delicious um, magazine, or Delicious magazine it is these days, uh, they've been... Uh, having an oyster competition or a food competition uh, for uh, quite a few years now and, and uh, uh, we've been lucky enough to do pretty well there. In fact, your, your listeners might be really interested to, to know that um, this year in the From the Sea category of the uh, Delicious Produce Awards, uh, this is a nationwide award, Phil, There's, uh, um, there was only four oyster farmers that were recognised in the From the Sea category Australia-wide. Anyway, three of them were within 15 minutes drive of Tarthra. Really? <laughs> wow. Another one's about an hour down the track, yeah. So that's, okay. that's where the, uh, you know, it seems like the, the, the people who now are recognising uh, our little part of the neck of the woods as, as the hotspot for beautiful oysters in Australia. Yeah. Well, Tarthra is such a beautiful place. I mean, it's on the Sapphire Coast. And as I said, I'm talking to Frankie about his lovely caravan park down there. Tell us a bit about the place. For, for you, Like, what are the attractions of Tartha and what are things that people could expect to do and see when they come down to the area, apart from your great oyster farm, of course? Well, yeah, that'd be, we, we've got a little shop at Tartha, so that, we're always very happy to, to uh, welcome people to come to our little shop, which runs behind our house in Tartha, and people can find that pretty easily. Right. Um, but Tartha has been traditionally, I suppose, recognised as a, a more a summertime uh, Place where you'd visit because obviously we, you know, on the coast we've got beautiful beaches there and we've got the the uh, the tourist wharf there where, um, you know, it was an old steamer wharf that mm-hmm. uh, 
Now, yep. now people uh, might go out and have a cup of coffee on the cafe there and, and go fishing on the wharf. But so traditionally, Tartra has been been a, a, a summer place. Yes. Um, and Joanne and her family went to went to Tartra, even though they lived in Bega. We'd bring our caravan every year, fifteen minutes down the road, set up the caravan for the six weeks of the school holidays, have our holiday. My parents would go to work in right. Bega. Yep. Yep. Come home at night, but we would still have our summer holiday. So you've been going to Bega. I grew up. Oh, in sorry, Bega. not for, you've been going to Tartha today. You, yeah. you grew up in Bega, so as a, as a tourist in your younger days, going going to Tartha. So there's an attraction there. Other than, other than the man, you met you guys met yeah. in Tartha. We did. We did. So, so, so pub. So, so traditionally, so he's changing the subject. <laughs> Go ahead, Gary. Back in the dim dark days. Yes. Uh, so traditionally, Tartha has been always seen as a, a, a summer place. Yes, uh, but. Not really so much anymore. It's obviously still a summer place, um, but these days we've got a few other um, uh, more off-season um, attractions that are getting people in. Right. And uh, one of the one of the things that's really got people's attention and is, is the uh, sensational mountain bike tracks. Okay. That yes. Have now been built in the in the in the forests and the national parks, just at the back of Tartra. We've got over 50 kilometres of, of single-track mountain biking that uh, is just absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. And um, more and more you see cars coming into Tarthra and they haven't just got the surfboards on the roof racks these days, Phil. Yes. They've got the mountain bikes on the, on the, on the table as well. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, so people are coming. And, of course, the great thing with that is that um, that gives Tarthra a bit of a longer tourist season. Right. Um, and as a result of, of this and, and, and Tartha not just being a wham-bam six weeks of the year sort of a, a joint and, and more a 52 weeks of the year joint, um, as a result of that, the uh, uh, other services for tourists in the place have gone gangbusters as well. Okay. And uh, as a food town now, um, it, it's just wonderful. We've got uh, multiple beautiful cafes in town uh, where people can get really, really special food. Um, the Tartra Pub has... Uh, which well, you guys met. <laughs> <laughs> it looks a little different these days. <laughs> Back when Joe and I met, the, 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 the carpet was pretty sticky, you know, like <laughs> as you walk through Tartra Pub because there'd been so many drinks built in the carpet over the years. But it's it's had a big renovation these days and and um, the people that have bought Tartra Pub... Um, also own uh, a pub in the, uh, the snowfields, and initially that that uh, well, I think the funds from from uh, from the snowfields were able to be channeled to Tarthra to to do a big renovation on Tarthra pub, and uh, basically they you know they look like they've spared no expense there. This has just been a wonderful wonderful renovation of of what people will know is a, is a superb location. It, you know it's got. It's got uh, 270 degree views of the ocean. Uh, the yes, so yeah, amazing a, views. Absolutely amazing place, and uh, uh, the the pub's been done up, mm-hmm. uh, and now, and it, it's the, the, the people who have done it up, uh, Cliff and Sayaka, uh, they're very very caring people, and they haven't just gone willy nilly out to, to how we can turn this into a money making venture. What they've done is. They're, they're very principled people, 
And the first thing they did was they pulled all the poker machines out. Ah, yes. Now I heard about that. They wanted to get it. Is that the same hotel? They, they wanted to get rid of the poker machines and they wanted to bring in live acts. Is that right? And they wanted to try and go back to, back to old school days, back to the basics. Exactly. This is, a pot, this is a pub now that thrives on community. Yes. It, it thrives on beautiful food mm-hmm. uh, and, it, and it thrives on live entertainment. Fantastic. Uh, and, you know, there's no keno, there's no horse racing. Yes. There's not a TV in the place. No, no. And, and it's just all about people communicating and, and uh, listening. And they, and they do craft beer these days, which is pretty bloody good too. Yep. And, uh, and uh, well, that's nice for me. I, I, I don't do preserves and so on, preservatives and so on in, in, in uh, alcohol too well. But, you know, you can buy craft beer there that's just, you know, as, as pure as it can be. Fantastic. And uh, uh, so I, you know, I'm really enjoying that aspect of it as well. So that's that's another great thing that people can can do when they're in town. So great cafes, great restaurants, the mountain bike trails, the beaches, amazing and, views, and uh, amazing views. And Mimosa Rocks North. Well, tell us a little yeah, bit about yeah, that. So Mimosa Rocks is a national park to the north. Yes, and Bourne a national park to the south of us. So uh, people will have probably heard of of Tartha for the unfortunate bushfires of two thousand and eighteen. Absolutely, absolutely. And in that bushfire, we you know it was a. Uh, that one or two days a year where that the terrible nor'east hairdryer type wind blows. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were unlucky enough for a, a, a fire to spark basically to the northwest of us. Mm. Uh, and it roared down in tar- into Tartha in, in no time flat. And uh, we got ev- evacuated into Bega. But, uh, and, and while all that was going on, um, we lost 70 homes. Wow. 70 homes in a community of about 400. Yeah, We're talking yeah. around, in round figures here. Yeah, yeah. And then I, knew, I know you guys got hit pretty hard with that. And then in 2019 you had a, you had a bit of a reprise, but then 2020, early January, the, the fires came through again, didn't they? Yeah, well, they, they were, of course, a, a lot broader fire situation, wasn't it, with the fires all over? No. All over the place. Um, and... Um, yeah, we were we, we, plenty of harrowing times in 2020 where we had you know fires to the uh, fires to the south of us, fires to the north of us, yes, fires to the, everywhere, fire, fires to the west of us, so every was, every which uh, way. The only, only place that wasn't fires to us was the east of us, wasn't it? Yeah. And of course, there was an ocean there. Yeah. Uh, so we we were pretty lucky in Tartha to escape pretty much at the end of all that. But of yes. course, a lot of our near neighbours, uh, and particularly the little town of Cabago. Yes. Um, just, just uh, to the uh, to the northwest of us, um, they they were devastated. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. So hard, hard, hard times, mate. And, and uh, certainly, we're hoping for a little bit, uh, a little bit more moisture this summer to, to come our way. Eh? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you guys. Absolutely brilliant. I've got Frankie Joe on the program this afternoon around about uh, sometime between four and six. I'm not going to give you listeners an absolute time on that. But um, we've been speaking with Gary and Joe from um, Tartha Oysters. Is that the name of the, your yeah, business? Yeah, that, yeah, that's it, Phil. And, and anybody who, who, who uh, gets a bit of an inkling to 
have a bit of a road trip this year when you can't go overseas or you can't go to Queensland. Absolutely. Tartha is a pretty good, uh, a pretty good option and uh, you'll be welcome with open arms coming to Tartha and, and would certainly welcome people to come to the oyster shop. Absolutely. Uh, the, the back of our house in Tartha, which you'll, you'll find pretty easily as you drive through Tartha and um, come and see us and... and uh, Tell us you heard us on the on, on Phil's show. That's it, and uh, and we'd we'd uh, love to uh, love to uh, talk oysters. With Fantastic, you and, and get get you a, a Tartar oyster to taste. It's definitely the best place to go, uh, listeners. Thirty two years, family owned business, numerous awards. If you're interested in oysters, Tartar's the place to go. Now, before I let you two guys go. We play Aussie music only on our station. Have you got a favourite Aussie band or favourite Aussie singer that you'd like? Oh, what, what about you? A bit of Stevie Wright. Right? Stevie Wright, yes. Yeah, we got. Yeah. I got his entire playlist. You got yeah, a favourite? Well, play Evie for me, Phil. Please. Okay, but listen, listen. Yeah. Don't just play part one. Part one. You want no, the whole. No, you want the whole ten thing, minutes. You like you've got to play the whole thing. One, two, and three. Okay. All right. Well, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. And Paul Kelly. And Paul Kelly. Any song in particular from Paul Kelly, or just gravy? gravy. All right, gravy. done. Gravy. Consider it done, guys. So we got Evie's part one, two, and three for Gary. He's into his rock music and uh, and his lovely wife Joe. She's a bit more laid back, country style music. Joe Kelly, uh, Paul Kelly, gravy. Consider it done. Thanks for your time, guys, and have a lovely day. Thanks for your interest, Phil. Thank you. Ah, well, there you go, folks. That was uh, Gary and Joe from the Oyster Farm in Tarthra. And as Gary asked me for, he said Evie, but not just the first part. This is going out to you, my friend. Enjoy. Evie's part one, two, and three. Straight after this, we got How to Make Gravy for his other half, Joe, by Paul Kelly. Yeah. 
Oh, for Gary. For Gary, he asked me for the three parts. And it was a pleasure to play it, my friend. It is such an incredible song, Evie. A rock song by the uh, late, great Stevie Wright of uh, Easy Beats fame. Gone to rock and roll heaven. That was written by Harry Vander and George Young, of course, and released as a single in 1974. And it's been suggested that this, the first 11-minute song to chart at number one anywhere in the world. Now, the song features three parts, which you've just heard. Now, when they meet, the marriage and the loss of a baby, and some critics consider that to be one of the most perfect rock and roll songs ever. And I would have to agree with that, uh, encapsulating the three basic themes of all love songs. And from an incredible album, Hard Road, which is impossible to get, <laughs> they did re-release it on CD a few years back, and I was fortunate to, to, to get a copy of that. I've actually got a vinyl pressing of that, which is one of my most treasured possessions in my vinyl rock and roll collection, but um, I did get a CD of it as well. And if you can find it, you'll be paying a few bucks for it. I can only tell you that much. Alrighty, now we're going to play Joe's song. She asked me for a Paul Kelly track. And then straight after that, I've got a couple of very special songs. I've got one by their son, Sam, and I've got another one by Jeff and Gary. This is a treat. I've kept the best till last, okay? So before we reach that, let's play Joe's request. She wanted to hear a song by Paul Kelly. It's called How to Make Gravy. Enjoy, Joe. December Now they're ringing the last bell If I get good behavior I'll be out of here by July Won't you kiss my kids on Christmas Day
Hey, that's Paul Kelly. How to make gravy. Going out to Joe, the other half of Gary, the owners of that great oyster farm there in Tarthra. I've got to tell you, I've had an absolute ball tonight. This is this has been a, a long gig, but um, look, I'm still getting messages from people. Everybody's hanging in there saying, Phil, you should do it this long every Sunday. <laughs> oh, guys, I'd love to. I'd love to, but... Um, I don't know about the programming manager. He's just said to me tonight, you just do what you want to do as long as people are tuned in and listening and you're still getting requests and, and all that kind of stuff, which, I, which I've, I've signed off on the requests. Otherwise, I'm going to be here till midnight. But uh, I, I do want to get through them all, and I have, other than these couple of songs that uh, I've been saving right to the end of the show, okay? We spoke with Gary and Joe, and they've got the Oyster Farm, and their son, uh, Sam, he manages the oyster farm for them, and he's also a very talented guitar and uh, guitar player, song songwriter, and singer. And occasionally, he plays with Frankie J at the Beachfront Caravan Park. Now, if you were listening all through, you would have heard me play um, a song he wrote, which was a number called "Oki." I absolutely love it. It's a fantastic song. I wish he'd write some more stuff. And uh, what I'm going to play now is a cover version of a number called. Don't play Guitar Boy. Here we go. This is Sam Rodley. Don't play Guitar Boy. Don't shoot for the stars, boy. Cause it ain't worth the trouble. And that guitar is a shovel that digs your grave. Follow your dreams Play that blue music You wanna hear the people scream They're sneaking through the back And your boss they may rip you off Make you play real late So you can't hold down no job So don't play guitar, boy Don't shoot for the stars, boy Cause that guitar that you play it just might wind up the spade that digs your grave You might have heard about Robert Johnson Used to carry that guitar around If he never played that music I'm sure he'd still be around And take Jimi Hendrix Yeah, we're sure he played real hot But he never knew Just how famous he got So don't play guitar, boy don't shoot for the stars, boy Is that guitar that you play Just might wind up the spade that digs your grave Some bank, but 
But I'll be working nine to five I got to tell you no thanks I'll play guitar, man I'll shoot for the stars, man Yeah, this tool that I use Is gonna play these blues till I die This tool that I use is gonna play these blues till I die. I said this tool that I use is gonna play these blues till I die. Oh, there you go, listeners. I played it last week and again this evening. And you know what? I might even play it again next week because I think it's such a great song. Don't Play Guitar Boy by Sam Rodley. Alrighty, now I've got this incredible song. As I said, I met these guys, local talents. When I was interviewing Gary and Joe, uh, they have a friend who goes by the name of Jeff. Now, I didn't get Jeff's surname, but Jeff's quite an accomplished little guitar player too, you know. And um, he came across after we did the interview. And talent obviously runs in the family because you've just heard Son Sam. Now we're going to play Father Gary. And they've got a song um, which they've kind of adapted, I guess, to what they do, which is oysters. And uh, you're going to recognise it. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I know you're going to recognise the music and you're going to recognise the song. It's called Oyster Boy. It's not really the name of the song, but it's their version of it. Now this is Gary... And Jeff on guitar. I was born and raised on the river. It's the only life that I know. People around here put a name on me. Hear it wherever I go. They call me Oyster Boy. Oyster Boy. Good for nothing. Oyster Boy. This old world don't hold a whole lot of joy in nothing but an oyster boy Do a lot of fishing on the river Make my living, you see Take my catch to the marketplace People call out to me And they say, oyster boy Hey, oyster boy You got any oysters here today, oyster boy? Sell my whale, nobody cares For the feelings of the oyster boy There's a pretty girl works at the marketplace I see her there every day But when I try to talk to her I can hear her papa say Come away from that Oyster boy, he's a oyster boy. He's nothing but a muddy, dirty, no hope, an oyster boy. No girl of mine gonna waste her time on a good for nothing oyster boy. In my boat back up the river, back to my old fishing place. I'm afraid this old river's gonna overflow from the tears running down my face. I'm nothing but a oyster boy, oyster boy, a good for nothing oyster boy. This old world don't hold a whole lot of joy when you're nothing but a oyster boy. This old world don't hold a whole lot of joy when you're nothing. 
nothing but an oyster boy. Ah, listeners, what do you think of that? Oyster boy. We got Jeff and Gary, a couple of the local talents here in Tartha, listeners. <laughs> Didn't I tell you they were good? And, of course, the talent runs in the family because uh, young Sam, he's a songwriter and a great guitar player, and that was his father there, Gary, on the vocals, and his mate, Jeff, on guitar. Look, it's i got to finish. <laughs> it's 8.30. Oh, I've had an absolute ball. And to all the people that have tuned in and people that I met when I was away and on the road and travelling that have following me on Facebook, okay, you can follow me. Um, Aussie Flashbacks on Facebook. You can check me out on Spotify. You can uh, go to my website, aussieflashbacks.com.au. There you're going to find past shows and podcasts of interviews and things. This will be on... um I'm hoping to get this sorted out this evening and have it up as a podcast for tomorrow for people that may have missed some of it or may have missed a whole lot. The interviews, they'll be there. You can listen to the whole show or you can just listen to the interviews. And next week, don't forget next week, I've got the Round Mountain Girls... They're an incredible act. They really are. I met those. I met those guys, and uh, Round Mountain Girls. No, no girls in the band. Five guys in the band, and I met them at uh, Wingham Acoustic Festival a few years ago. They're my special guests next week, and also an interview with the manager of the pub with no beer at Taylor's Arm, um, giving us the backstory to the actual song which Slim made a, a number one hit with the pub with no beer. Um, before I finish and end up with my signature song, which is an old 55 track, I'm just going to play one more track. This is a bit funny. You wouldn't have heard this this sort of song played uh, for, for quite a while, I guess. But I guess it's in honour of this great bass player that passed, Tim Partridge. Um, as I said, like earlier when I played the song from Kevin Borich's uh, Celebration album, uh, Tim Partridge, he played in various bands. He was with Ross Wilson, pre-Daddy Cool and... Um, and post Daddy Cool, Mondo Rock, Mighty Kong. He played um, for the company Kane in 1970, King Harvest 1971, Auntie Jack in 1974, and Kevin Boric Express. Now, this is the track I'm going to play before I do my actual sign off song. You wouldn't have heard this one played for a while, surely. It's called Auntie Jack in honour of a great bass player. And musician gone to rock and roll heaven. Farewell, Auntie Jack. We know you'll be back. Though you're ten feet tall, you don't scare us at all. You're big, bold, and tough, but you're not so rough. There's a scream as you plummet away. Hello, me little lovely. So remember, you better listen to this song real close. Cause I'll tell you what, if you don't, I'm gonna jump through your speakers and rip your bloody arms off. And I will too. Don't forget it. Especially you, stupid. She rides a black bike. I do. And drives through the night. Right. She's big, round and fat But don't dare tell her that Flag on one arm Cause she turns so mean Her glove starts to gleam And she screams as she plummets Goodbye, me little lovely Oh, we'll be 
you And we think the world about you Won't you please come back to our house Please come back dear Auntie Jack Now you've gone away and left me Auntie Jack please don't forget me Just remember I'll be waiting At the gates dear Auntie Jack Yes I think I must be dreaming can't hear your bike screaming And I know you're coming near me Now you're back, dear Auntie Jack Oh, back! Farewell, Auntie Jack, and farewell, Tim Partridge. Listeners, I have to hang up the headphones now. I do it every Sunday. I start at four and finish any time between six, seven, eight, <laughs> and tonight, 8.30. I've had an absolute ball. Don't forget, I do it every Sunday. And if you do want to listen to past shows or past interviews, please check out my website, aussieflashbacks.com.au. Follow me on Facebook and also check me out on Spotify as well. It's been an absolute ball, an absolute pleasure. I've met some wonderful people, and I've got a lot more new listeners, which is uh, what I like to do, is to create great music, keep the people listening, and keep the people happy. So until next Sunday, folks, from Frankie J, Old 55, and myself, thank you all, and good night. Good night,
Good night.